Good morning and a happy Thursday to you folks. It is a beautiful day outside. I hope it's gorgeous where you're at as well. And I'm going to tell you a little story about making lemonade out of lemons. Having a conversation with a gentleman friend of mine yesterday, and he said he had one of the most embarrassing moments of his life. He asked a woman when she was due, and she wasn't pregnant. Oh my flirt! Have you ever heard of such an embarrassing moment? But I looked at him and said, well, you survived. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. So I'll tell you what, man, everything is up from here. So folks, think of the most embarrassing moment of your life and realize you're still alive. You're still standing. You're still awake. The sun is coming up. The flowers are beautiful. Folks, embarrassing moments only make you stronger. So get out there, enjoy your embarrassing moment, yet embrace your embarrassing moment and just have a fabulous day. It's time to play hard, work Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Crew Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling back in action here. Sterling, good morning. So you've been out of town quite a bit. In and out of town, working, family obligations. You know the deal. Folks, Sterling does have a regular full-time business he owns and operates. And uh, he's he's one of those skin-in-the-game entrepreneurs. (laughs) Yeah, but although after the last, uh, what was it, the, the first federal money they were kicking out, and we found out that the L.A. Lakers qualified as a small business. Yeah. So I'm not even sure what you call a business of just me. I <laughs> actually think they're changing cottage the, the industry business to like a family business, I think they're calling them. So like a family business is like under 25 or under 10. Well, and you know, it's small businesses, the under 500. See, I, I'm an, I have an LLC, but that's strictly for liability. You know, that right. has nothing to do with... Because I'm fancy pants. <laughs> Folks, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. Jason Spies, Sterling with you here. And a little too serious this morning, but hey, we're working like five times as hard for half the pay <laughs> because we're in that category of work hard, play hard, to be honest. But here we're going to play hard first, and then we're going to work hard. So what do we got going on? You know, yesterday's interview, if you haven't taken a listen, our work hard was with uh, uh, Kenda Martinez, mm-hmm. and she's transitioning out of oil and gas. Because yeah, I found of, that interesting. Yeah, just because of opportunities more. Another yeah. one where the opportunities are shrinking, mm-hmm. and there's just not as much pay as there was before and everything. So, And she's got a couple of side hustles now, right? She's got the sanitizing. She's Right, and yeah. she's, um, but she's married now, too. Yeah. And uh, her husband is law enforcement. So the you know they're just starting a new chapter. Yeah. That's all. Just starting a new chapter, and so she's she's got a couple clients still in the oil and gas. But it's interesting to listen to, you know, two interviews now that have reached out to me mm-hmm. um, to talk about the transition that it's real. Yeah, they don't want the transition to happen, but at the same time they want to pay their bills. Yeah, they have to. And the part that we talked about was the um, lack of purposeful jobs go code baby exactly yeah so where you're working at mcdonald's when when you worked in agriculture or you work in oil and gas Mm because of course i grew up in the agriculture world so i grew up with 
farmers bragging at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. farmers bragging at a Sunday dinner, you know, like, oh, we made those corn, you know, or whatever. So yeah. whatever the case is, they would often take pride. Oh, they're invested in them. Yeah. Invested in their work. In the same way the oil and gas industry took pride in, oh, I'm driving in this car and mm-hmm. I have something to do with this. Yeah. You know, oh, the light switch turns on. I have something to do with this. So there's a certain industry pride or trade pride, skill pride. And these are people that have been in the industry, what, she's been in, what, 20 or 30 years? 20 years. Yeah. The and other I think, guy was 29. Yeah, yeah, so these are people that have given a good chunk of their professional life. And so what we talked about was um, when, when there's a transition out or there's just being laid off, because, again, you get laid off, you get rehired, this mm-hmm. and that, there's this lack of purposeful jobs out there jobs with purpose because Shits creek did a great episode where uh jocelyn the school teacher went to work in retail mm-hmm. and she nailed it out of the park making sales and she quit on them rejected them because she's like eh, i don't know how you guys do it it seems kind of boring i think ha. i'm gonna go volunteer right like she was in it for the purpose yeah for the purpose you know and here these two retail guys had never thought of that yeah. you know they were trying to figure out how to keep her because she was doing such a great job, but she didn't fit the brand image, <laughs> you know? And she ended up rejecting them because th- who wants to sit around and sell lotion all day? Well, see, most of us I, don't, I do. but do. we <laughs> will because we have to. Kate's Man Cave is a sponsor <laughs> of the show. Yeah, you had to slide in a reference there. Just anytime, slip it right in. Anytime you can slide a reference of Kate's Man Cave in as a sponsor, you got to do that, right? You got to rise to the occasion. <laughs> Oh, stand up. Yep. Woo, the wait, coffee wait. is flowing. Don't stand up. Yeah, you don't want to stand up. Not too grab, fast anyway. Grab the books, put, a, <laughs> put them over the crotch and stand up. Okay. Did we get a little too descriptive? I think we did. Okay. No, I'm confused. Now you're going to have to draw me a picture. Oh, right. We'll go back to that drawing of the hand turkey, <laughs> which brings us to the farmers, which, okay. Yeah, back to ag. So what the interview yesterday, uh, she said her son went through that after the military was when he got back from serving in the military, Mm -hmm. he bumbled around for three or four years. I think he was in like stockbroking and and banking and that sort of stuff. He he couldn't find any purpose Purpose. in there. And then he went into oil and gas, worked in oil and gas, found purpose again, and then was able to hybrid and carry that purpose into... A different, uh, back into investing yeah. and and where his he's where his trade education came from yeah where and so that was a great little side story I just uh, well no I, I you know I think nowadays it's almost alien to most people to talk to somebody who has purpose in their job who finds pride in their work whereas so many people I know and I've been in this situation before you're doing the job because you have to do it because it's what you could get to pay the bills and that's what's important but loving it. Yeah, that's I don't awesome. Know. It's just it seems a little bizarre <laughs> when you go to Walmart mm-hmm. or you go to uh, a Costco and there's somebody stocking shelves, okay, and they've got earbuds in listening to music or listening to like if they're like me, listening to you know a show that they've seen before right. for the the humor dialogue. Checking out the latest episode of the Crude Life, maybe. Or a podcast, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, right. Of course, they're listening to the uh, yeah. Crude Life. I mean, Boy, yeah. I mean, hypothetically, but yeah. Apparently, I don't have any problem <laughs> plugging Kate's Man Cave, but I have a real problem plugging the crude life. Okay. Oh, man, we are just off the rails. Woo! 
We start in the gutter here. Yeah, yeah the we play do. Hard portion. That's because you can only go up, man. We slowly work our way to governors, yep. attorney generals. <laughs> hey, man, this is from the grad. We're, we're, we're a bottom to the top, rock bottom to the top. Absolutely. Sometimes the guys <laughs> from the top, they don't mind coming down to the bottom either. No, that's right. They kind of like getting dirty at trickle times. down. <laughs> uh, where? What were we talking about? You were talking about. Raccoons? No, no. Tran- okay. The the interview you did yesterday, the trans, uh, how she's going through that transition from about what eighty percent oil and gas yeah, now, twenty percent. Yeah, purpose, the pur- pride, the purpose, part uh, of work. Uh, getting back to the ag and the energy and that sort of thing. So, uh, I, I do think that's going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, we kind of bring out more examples organically because I'm not looking for these examples, but they're they're in the media every day defined by defection. I go back to one of two predictions we had back in October, and one of them was this year was be defined by defection. Mm -hmm. Well, since then, you've had the president saying, go build solar panels. Climate envoy. You've had the climate envoy and climate czar say, figure it out. It's happening. You've had the energy secretary say, if you're an oil and gas company, you need to become an energy secretary or you're going to die on the vine. Okay. Transition, I mean, transition, transition. What is what is Brian Cranston uh, in uh, Breaking Bad do? Message received. Western <laughs> Union loud and clear when like Tuco's coming at or yeah. Gus or somebody. They're trying to hit him. Okay. I got it. <laughs> got it. Well, and it's it still I go back to why I don't even bother going on LinkedIn anymore. Um Another person called me yesterday because they listened to the podcast and they're going to implement a social media policy now because probably have to. It's turning into party picks. And uh, well, the one gal yesterday getting back to Kendra, her Mm -hmm. advice for women, put your clothes on, put your clothes on. Well, my thing is that, you know, we start bringing the kids pictures out and the vacation photos. Now you're in Facebook land. Now you're in Facebook land. Yeah, absolutely. Um, If it's there's a reason there's separate sites right yeah if it's puppy awareness day and your company puts out a picture of a puppy that's that's the gray area but because it's national puppy day okay well and that's probably more the social media director's fault than anything well, that, else that, right that, that's <laughs> kind of what social media is for is yeah. that there's certain gray areas where if you're a company hey this is your chance to say we're a big supporter of dogs mm-hmm. national puppy day you can go as as easy the low-hanging fruit as, hey, we love puppies, and grab a gift or whatever. Or you could say, we donated $40,000 last year mm-hmm. to the you know Diamond in the Rough, R-U-F-F, Diamond in the Rough <laughs> dog shelter. Well, we don't donate to the Humane Society because they're political. They're, they, they came out and said Donald Trump is the worst threat to animals. They endorsed Hillary Clinton and endorsed uh, Joe Biden. So... Uh, we stopped giving Humane Society years ago because they got political. So I don't we, know that they'd ever endorsed somebody before, the, had they? Uh, they endorsed Hillary Clinton because Donald Trump was the worst threat to animals ever. Okay. So the Humane Society became political. So we do not give to the Humane Society anymore. Right. We give to Diamond in the Rough 
and the other non-political shelter mm-hmm. that just cares about the animals. Yeah. We, as soon Why as, would you want to get involved in politics? That's what I mean. As soon Why? as you're a non-profit and you get involved in politics, our family, you're cut off. Well, and it seems like that's the reason why you start an NPO nowadays is really to be a political ad- advocacy group. I was just looking up. National Puppy Day was founded in 2006 because it was. I was just starting to get curious. I'm like, are we inventing new national holidays so totally. that companies have an excuse to do a social media call out? Oh, once companies started figuring out what Hallmark did, well, they want in. No kidding. We got, well, let's just make shit up I too. Know, right? It's just a puppy day. Okay. Hallmark's who's, been sitting there for 70 it? years going, yeah, let's just make shit up. I'll bet you money someone sat around and came up with a day of the year, the big 64, 365-day yeah. calendar. Oh, t- t- tortillas. Well, well have, you, tortilla have, you looked at a, uh, have you looked at a calendar recently and seen how many friggin' holidays there are now? I mean, they're not necessarily recognized you get the day off, but it's National Puppy Day. Do you, would, would you like to talk to the gentleman who is behind this? Yeah. Nonsense? Yeah. Who okay. is it? I, I, um, he's out of Bismarck. I know him. Really? Oh, yeah. We talk all the time. Not all the time. Several times a year. Okay. Um, he, in fact, I will put out a request and get him on the show. And we'll talk about how he came up with the day of the month calendar, I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. I, he's got it. I mean, he's, he's oh, national. You, those where you had every day you had a, a calendar page and it had something on it, like a saying or something? No, no. He's, he's the guy who got the market share mm-hmm. for today is National Puppy Day. Jeez. Okay, he's out of Bismarck. Man, no, that, I'm not. That's, get, that's creative thinking. I want to say it's Marlo Anderson, but okay. I, I am not a hundred percent sure. Right. Well, I want to say, and I apologize because I don't know if that's his name. Now that I'm, I'm thinking more about it, but well, it you know, I'm curious because these types of things, man, you, you just wonder. I mean, I love puppies, I love kitties, I love all that stuff, but it seems like we're inventing holidays really to just give companies uh, an excuse to advertise something. Well, and that's okay, because that's I'm sure a lot of this was based around social media. I just wonder if, like, by the time my daughter's my age, if every day of the year will be a day of the week thing. Oh, it already know? is. It'll be... It already is. Uh, several years ago... It's National Wednesday Day. Uh, I used to do a... When, when my son Otis was eight and nine, so fifth and sixth grade... Mm-hmm. Uh, he's never eaten school lunch. I've packed his lunch every day. Okay. Up until I think last year when he started doing it himself. So yeah, this was, you know, think about it. That's part, that was part of my daily routine. But when I get up, I would spend about 15 to 20 minutes, uh, on, uh, InDesign, which is a publishing software Mm because I know how to use it. I did the lunchroom news and we called it the daily notice. Otis, yep. N-O-T-I-S, nice, the Daily nice. Notice. <laughs> and I would put it Such together a on a sheet of uh, eight and a half by 11 paper. Uh-huh. So a regular printer sheet paper. And I'd do five columns. So it was like a bookmark every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was an eight and a half by 11. Think of it divided five vertical strips. Sure. And I would put like six different tidbits on there. So I'd put the day of the week. Mm-hmm. I'd put a famous quote. That was kind of get you thinking a little bit. That's a great idea. I'd do a random fact. Yeah. You know, the electric eel puts out X amount of voltage. Oh, you know? that's a great idea. And then I'd do um, a joke. And anyway, it was just five random things. I'm going to start right? doing that. 
And I posted on Facebook. Yeah. So I had hundreds of people all over the United States downloading this and putting it in their kids. Oh, lunches. it's a great idea, man. Because they would cut it out. People, and if I was late on a Monday by, because I'd usually have it by six a.m. or something, they'd be, "Where's my daily notice?" You know, and <laughs> I'm packing the kids' lunch. I got life, you know, yeah. <laughs> busy, you know, whatever, fighting cancer. Well, see, I like the idea, but I think the parents themselves should do it, you know? Well, and I had people like, you should market this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've heard all this stuff before too, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing it for my kids. Yeah, not everything it. needs to be marketed. Well, then I found out his kids, his friends just loved it mm -hmm. because, well, um, they looked forward to the joke. I was going to say, and, it's something, yeah. You know, and it gave them something to talk about. It, it was a great camaraderie fellowship thing. Getting back to how we got on this topic, I would put every day what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was amazed every day of the week had some, has at least three, if not yeah. 10. Right. So, National, like National Flower Day, Chocolate Pudding Day. Yeah. And then another day, National Vanilla Pudding Day. And then another day, National Pudding Day. So, I mean, there's a National Cheeseburger Day. There's a National Bacon Cheeseburger Day. And these are separate days, okay? So, right. Like today, I don't even know. If I pulled it up, National Calendar today. What is it? Today, March? Is that, is that what, day, what day are we in here, March? Yes, we are. Okay, so this, uh, what March is it? <laughs> what March is it? <laughs> it's Thursday. Lousy smart. <laughs> Lousy smart. We're here to talk about the 13th <laughs> month. The misprint. Okay. See, I wonder how easy it is to, to get a national holiday declared. Wednesday, March 24th, Education and Sharing Day, National Egg Day, National Cheesecake Day, National Chocolate Covered Raisin Day, National, national Turbo... Turbo... Tuberculosis? National... <laughs> World. It's world, actually. No wonder I couldn't pronounce it. World Tuberculosis Day. That is a tongue twister. Well, it's tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. But there's no R. Yeah. And before the B. But we always think of it as... It's actually tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. But it's tuberculosis. That's why I get... Because every time I read it, phonetically, it doesn't... It doesn't match. No, and when you say that word more than three times, you realize that the our language just sounds like weird noises. It's like when that old guy would say "warsh," "warsh" instead of "wash." "Wash," he'd say "warsh." "Warsh." Like, where did the "r" come from? "Warsh." Where Washington? Where, where did the "r" come from? Well, when I lived in Pennsylvania, you called it a creek, not a creek. Still spelled it the same way. Well, maybe I can see that. <laughs> Ick, I, I don't crick, know. But, creek. But tomorrow, International Waffle Day. Now so that I can get behind. There's probably a national waffle there day. There is, but there's, there's also probably an a world waffle day because of the alliteration. Sure. How do you miss that? And then there's <laughs> international waffle day. And tomorrow is Maryland day. See, we need to get national lobster Newburgh day. So is there a national lobster Thermidor day? <laughs> probably, actually. There better be. Man, these are all just tomorrow? National Medal of Honor day. Tolkien Reading Day, Tolkien the author, T-O-L-K-I-E-N. Oh, of Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Gotcha. National Medal of Honor Day. We call that Speece Day around here. When's Whiskey Day? That's what I want. Friday, Epilepsy Awareness Day slash Purple Day. See, now I thought purple was for pancreatic cancer. I did too. Okay, see, now we're running out of colors is the thing. We got to do the uh, like fruit stripes gum. 
We 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 got to grab that with the stripes, the, Get stripes, the stripes ribbon. I was thinking you could no, go. No, the, the the alphabet, the the uh, LGBTQT. Um, I, I You're thinking about the RGB code. No, I'm thinking about the gay pride. Oh, LGBTQ. They got the rainbow. Yeah, so they've in, got the in, rainbow. Any striped colors the alphabet yeah. people have. Plus striped flags, very French. So polka dots might be available. Polka dots, maybe, or uh, I don't know. Instead of stars, could you do like like ninja throwing stars? Could yeah, okay. We'll have to work on that. Remember, maybe we were gonna we were gonna do a whole map of the maybe U.S. Hydrocarbons. Hydrocarbon. How do you visualize hydrocarbons? Just like a like um, a matrix, like a helix, like a oh, helix. Matrix. I was gonna think like a cow fart, but okay. Okay. Well, there's that too. Now I want to know what the matrix looks like for a cow fart. Oh well, here we go, folks. Friday, March twenty sixth. Make up your own holiday day. Ha! Hey, you got you can't script this any better. Man, make up so Friday. Which what, is tomorrow. What, what should our day be? Oh, Jesus. I thought today was Wednesday. No, man. No, today's Thursday. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. No wonder a, you were a little sleepy this morning. What a week this has been. Yeah. So tomorrow is Friday. Make up your own holiday. People are going, dude, it's Thursday. Anyway, so... I'm not even sure what day it is. Friday is make up your own holiday day. It's also National Nougat Day. Not to be confused with Ted Nougat Day. <laughs> It's National Nougat Day. Scratch fever. Is that what? uh, Does anybody put the nougat on the outside? Then do you start with the nougat on the Three Musketeers bar? How would you do that? How would you? It would be like you'd have to turn it inside out. Would you like eating an orange with leaving the leaving the skin on? Skin on. National Spinach Day is also on Friday. No, that can just go to hell. So apparently, Nike Air Max Day is a thing. So okay, so clearly every day has a holiday. Wear a hat day. Wow. Wear a hat day. Wear a hat day. Wear a hat day. And that was that that's in the category of health. Now see, Under I'm going awareness. to demand that Under health awareness. I want schools to recognize each and every one of these diverse holidays. Why is March twenty sixth wear a hat day? Who the hell wears a hat on a why, Friday? Why wouldn't August or July when when the sun is at its peak of radiation right. be national? Wear a hat day, because this this category is under health and awareness. Yeah, in March, you, you I'm actually guessing June wasn't available. You actually want to get the sun's rays yeah. in March. You want the rickets to go away. <laughs> you want you don't get want rid rickets, of the scurvy, man. But, right, man. You, you're actually coming out of hibernation <laughs> yep. in, the, in North and Mason Dixon line. <laughs> so you want this? Well, seriously. So they're going back to the farmers. Mm-hmm. Okay, farmers used to do this. This used to be a thing. What the farmers would do, and if you sit down and tell, ask them, you don't even have to, just sit down, they'll tell you. <laughs> Without prompting. They would come in to eat, okay? They would come in to eat lunch, mm-hmm. and then they would go sit in the sunroom. A lot of farms had a sunroom. Sure. And they would sit in the sunroom for a half hour to an hour and just sit and let the sun bask on them. And that was a form of rest and rejuvenation. It works for me. And if you've ever done it, folks, I have. If you've ever done it, it is. So they would do it between that like noon and one. And, and that's actually when it's at its height. So you're not supposed to. But if they're in the barn all day, they needed that. Yeah. To avoid rickets. Well, it'd be a scurvy. good time to take a little nap or something. Get this. Well, yeah, they, that's what they would do. Yep. They'd close their eyes yep. and rest. But yep. they would, it would go in the sunroom. And they would get that vitamin K? D. D? Yeah. Vitamin R? 
<laughs> vitamin Ricket? Yeah, drinking all your milk. Now I got to see what Saturday is. <clears throat> it's vitamin D. So Saturday, by the way, folks, it will wrap up here. But uh, Saturday, International Scribble Day. Ooh, like doodling? Do you really need a day for that? You know, you got to make time. Bastards. They put it on a Saturday, too. <laughs> so you can't do it in school. It's International Scribble Day. You know, well, that's yeah. why I'm writing on my desk. <laughs> National Joe Day. Come on. So you what your name's Joe and you get a day? National GI Joe Day would be pretty cool. That see that would be much better. Yeah, GI Joe, Joe and Jane. Yeah. National Spanish Paella Day. I will eat paella on National Paella Day. Dude, I'll eat paella almost any time. I will eat it any day of the week. Yeah. Now that makes right. me think of summer. Oh, that man. makes me think of June and July. I didn't realize Passover was Saturday. Yes, sir. So what do you do on Passover? Are you me, ce- personally, you nothing, no. What, what, what is your kind? What is my kind? My race. <laughs> what does your, Passover are you a race? A, uh, some people would say so. Really? The Jews are a race? It's, uh, it's a religion. People, it's a religion. The Catholics aren't yeah, a race. No, no. But it, we do race, Jews though. have been oftentimes thought of as a race or, you know, like subjugated or denigrated as a race yeah uh you know what i haven't done passover in over 20 years uh but it's a very important holiday and i do remember mainly just a lot of good food and family now my understanding has a lot to do with the um passover of the celestial bodies yes meaning the moons and the stars and the suns has to do with the passover right with the equinox because uh the equinox this year was on march 20th was it? Because these, yes, it always falls between the 19th and the 21st. This year it fell on the 20th. And uh, I do believe the actual, if you go back to the root of religion, because a lot of the worshiping was done with the heavenly bodies, that Passover has to do with the... It, it also comes, it's, um, it's a celebration as well as, and this is something I forgot from my Sunday school. Is the is the uh, that's okay because pop quizzes here. Yep. All of a sudden we're like, <laughs> okay. it's the it's the free freeing of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The Rolodex is just kind of right going and stuff. So so it's commemorating their freedom as slaves in Egypt. And what I remember most Did about it as a kid, they follow a star like the wise men. No, I don't okay, think so. so. I might be mixing my metaphors here, but go on. Well, you're Catholic. What are you going to do? I know. So <laughs> I'm just spoon fed. I just remember this. What were, what were called Seder meals, the Seder meals that we would have. Even as a child, you got four cups of wine. They were little, little cups. You mean Seder. Uh, that's what they're called, Seder. Okay. Uh, yeah, so good food, good wine. But no, I haven't celebrated in a long time. Thanks for calling me my people. <laughs> that's awesome. With that, keep in mind, folks, I'm just going to recap Saturday's days, the national days, as we just kind of went off the rails here. International Scribble Day, National Joe Day, mm-hmm. National Spanish Paella Day actually seems like a legitimate day. Yep. Okay. Because it's National Spanish Paella Day. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a day to celebrate one, one type of food with a culture. Yeah. But you know, the paella corporate, they're the ones that did it, man. Oh, the those paella, lo- the those pa- lo- paella the, lobbyists. They're the worst. worst, man. They're worse than the egg lobbyists. Oh, man. oh sh- don't let them get to you. And then you've got Passover, which yep. I, I don't even think it needs a day. That's kind of actually was the originals of the calendars. Yeah, we were here first, right, okay, right. So before was, your friggin' hat day. Before AD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before, the, before the International Joe Day could yeah, actually... I, I think we day. predate the Joe Day. Yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> so after Passover, according to nationaltoday.com, 
Uh, Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> birthday. It's really? so important, it's considered a national day. Wow. I bet that just tickles him pink. <laughs> I'd like to see his rendition of Passover. Oh, man. Yeah, Passover the movie, the 10th movie by Quentin Tarantino. Starring Mel Actually, Gibson. that would be awesome, dude, because it's got Mel Moses, Gibson. it's got everybody. Mel Gibson is Moses. I take a break before I get struck by lightning. There's way too much blasphemy. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Well, I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Well, I came and I said what I had to say. I just soon be on my way. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Back to the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling, and we are... I want a nickname, we? man, like Meat Sauce. You know, I was thinking about that. You are telling me about that guy from, what, Power Trip Morning? Yes, yes. Meat Power Sauce, or show. like, you know, Possibly it's, it's Crazy Ira and the Douche. You know, I want a name, man. Well, you will earn a name. Okay. When you get a name. Oh, go, like go I to Wings. Why don't you just go to one of these Permian events? Go to one of these Bakken events. Go to one of these oil events. 
and you'll get a name real I'll quick, a, <laughs> Mr. Ramco Brat. <laughs> By the way, uh, we should point out Sterling has never worked a day in his life in oil and gas, but he grew up in it, literally grew up in it, on an oil base called Dahran in Saudi Arabia. So I would always joke, you know, that Watford City and Midland, Odessa and you know, you've got these oil and gas towns, right, that are about 90% oil and gas. Mm-hmm. But like Watford City does have a little bit of ag, you know, and then there is like some other manufacturing and things yeah. like that. And But Dahran is 100% oil and gas. It's the whole gas. reason it exists yeah. is for the oil. And, and as, oil I, as I learn more about this, is it a compound? Is it a base? Is it a city? It's a fenced-in compound. It is fenced in. Yeah, it's big. It was about, I think it was about 15 square miles or so. Yeah, because there's golf courses and schools. Yeah, it's, yep. And so if you're the um, groundskeeper for the golf course, <laughs> you're employed by the oil company. Yeah, everybody there, the street cleaners to the doctors and dentists. And what's interesting, you know, because they were kind of the first ones of the Google campus. You know, in a lot of ways, I mean, Dar, you know... Uh, Aramco or Saudi Arabia had these camps, right? Dahran, Rastanora, another one was called Abcake. Those tended to be closer to the coast now, and the refineries. What's a camp? Like what I like Dahran. That's what we called it, camp. Right. So we called it camp. But so ten thousand people. Yeah, I think Dahran was the largest, and I think there was about fifteen or so thousand people when I lived there. Okay. What is what is that now? Do you know? I think it's about twenty twenty five thousand. Okay. Now. I yeah. know it's been growing. It has been growing. Yeah, but, but these it's, now were communities. it's Saudi Ramco. Yeah. And before it was Ramco. And before then, Standard Oil. And most of these compounds, as I understand it, were basically put in place because you had uh, British and American nationals and Australian nationals that were basically running the oil company from post-World War II to the 70s or 80s, and they wanted to keep them separate from the general population. You know, They wanted to keep us separate from the general population, for uh, as much as for us as for them. Yeah, and so the, what's interesting about Sterling's perspective... When it comes to life, because keep in mind, folks, everyday energy is everything, is that he's got to respect that his childhood was built on. So I think it's funny because in in the way that everybody gets upset how renewables and the kids have been programmed since they were, you know, birthed Mm -hmm. to hate oil and gas, right? You sent me the other day the Minecraft yeah, Minecraft is in is now promoting renewables. It's a, a sustainable city you can download in Minecraft. Totally. Yeah. So I mean, when when we're talking about how they're, what do you want to say, infiltrating or infecting or Quotes, educating, educating. <laughs> whatever it might be, yeah. you were actually the opposite of that. Because yeah, <laughs> but you know what's funny is that in our schooling there was never there was never this like oil and gas push. We were never inundated with oil and gas is great. There was never any messaging from that. Right. The closest we ever got to that was there was an actual oil and gas museum, a petroleum museum on the on the camp that they would take us to for tours. And it was awesome. But for me, it was just, you grew up learning about it as a vital component to civilization. But, you, was, but you saw it firsthand. You saw it firsthand yeah. and you saw, I mean, I saw my dad work his butt off in night school and be a DJ and elevate his family from poverty to... We got to travel internationally. When I knew that I educated my son correctly when it came to oil and gas, okay, because he's he's now 14. He'll be 15 next month. Oh, my Jeez. God. He'll be 15 in a week and a half, okay? That's freaky, man. And when I knew, and keep in mind, you know, it's it, he, he's in that generation where it ain't cool, you know, fossil fuel ain't cool type thing. 
But when we went fishing, and he pointed out, you know, the fishing line was made out of fossil fuels. Yeah. When, that's when I knew he, he got it. He got it. He got yeah. it. Yeah. And I yep. knew that, okay, now we just got to figure out ways so that he can, you know, not give in when it's it's easy to gang pile on fossil fuels. For me, it's common sense. It's These are the things that help us have a civilization. <laughs> okay. How old are your kids? Almost 15 and almost 8. You haven't realized they don't understand common sense? That, that just <laughs> No, I didn't mean kids. Okay. I didn't mean uh-huh. I meant just in general. The idea that it's a zero sum game. That right. you either have to be all in for one or all against the other doesn't make any sense to me. So I think it's interesting because here, you know, you've never worked in oil and gas, but yet you've got more of a respect for it than a lot of people who work in oil and gas. Yeah, and I think it's I mean, that's what I have tried to give to my kids is a respect for what we get and an appreciation for the planet we live on. You can do both. When did your dad move over there full-time? Uh, he, 1980, he went over as a contractor for a year and a half, two years. And so then, he did not work for Ramco. He worked as a contractor for a Ramco. Right, that's, so that's he had his own business or whatever the case. Basically, they hired him as a contractor. They brought him over. They housed him off camp. He was in a, an actual city in an apartment uh, oh, for real? Yeah, down in Kobar, which is the local city uh, close to Dahran. Oh, okay. Um, so th- he would do that. And then he uh, he applied and got accepted as a full-time employee with family status. And he was able to bring us over in 82. Okay. And then so when you guys came over there, so he was over there for two years. Just about, yeah. How often did you see him? About a week out of each year. Oh, wow. Maybe a little bit longer once or twice. But that was, yeah, that was tough because you figure I was uh, seven, eight. My brother was three or four. Uh, I can't imagine as a father now doing that. But well, he did it because. The money was good, I imagine. It was, it was like night and day. It was enough to keep your mom happy. Yeah. We went on our first vacation when because he came back from a trip. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we had food in the cupboard. The quality of life just exponentially got better exponentially and when we went over there that changed my life fundamentally absolutely i'd be a not to say it's a bad thing but i was on a trajectory to be a cowboy in tucson arizona that's where i was what was the first okay so you that's right you're from arizona yeah tucson yeah and then you go over to saudi arabia Yeah, desert for desert man that's why i like living up here in the cold but you go from the wild west to uh religious police yeah but that, like I said, with the camp, you know, they keep you pretty much, it's not until you go outside or downtown, and then there's kind of rules, right? There's guidelines. It just reminds me of like the walking dead or something like that. Is, <laughs> don't go outside the walls. Don't make eye contact. You might not come back, <laughs> but it's not zombies. It's religious police might grab you and put you into some waterboarding camp or something. I, I don't as a know. kid growing up over there, my interaction with locals, um, most of the Saudis that I met absolutely loved children. I mean, boys, and they just loved kids. And so we were always treated when we went into stores and stuff like that, just, I don't know, like not like adults, but, you know, special. Yeah, it was a great culture to grow up in, really. And then you mentioned that, sorry to go on this, we're going to talk about some uh, pop culture here in a second, but uh, since we got a little blasphemous last hour, uh, we might as well stay on the, the, the religion topic yeah. on, on, a, on a Thursday. <laughs> um, you... You you were born Jewish, yes, and you lived in Saudi Arabia, yeah. So you had to hide that, correct? Yeah, and in fact, I think you still do. It, it basically, oh, you still do. I think so. Um, I don't. The think, women have advanced beyond the Jewish, yeah, 
And uh, honestly, that's why we didn't have for half the time I lived there where we didn't have uh, Coca Cola and McDonald's is because they were so associated with Israel uh, that they were. And if you looked on a globe in our school, there was no Israel. There was a Palestine. Oh, you grew up with political capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. Worse than we did. Probably, we, although I didn't really know it, you know? We kind of grew up more like with monopoly capitalism, you know, like, well, 3M, yeah. Dow. But you're right. It was very political. It was like... Yeah, it, you it guys were no, able to reject stuff. Yeah, they were... And you just didn't get it, you know? But then it started to filter in. But no, when we went over there, we basically had to, you know, when it came to telling religion, it was Christian. Coca-Cola's with Israel? That was one of the reasons I think they weren't in the country until the late... 80s boy i might have just really showed my naivete right there because there's certain areas that i just don't go too deep into the politics of but i know that you know there's there's of course there's there's world war ii ibm and ford and coca-cola ties to you know germany type of thing that exploded their empire so that's where i didn't know if there was any political ties there 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 must have been but i'm guessing there was like a whole committee of people figuring out which and companies you let in which you don't you know wow Um, but you know that did loosen up yeah over time so how did did you guys have to just kind of give give up on religion because I because of our age, my 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 father was actually more devout than any of us, and he converted. My mother was born Jewish. I was born Jewish. My father was the most devout, and it was real tough for him initially. Uh, but you know, it, men tend to find religion later in life. I guess so. Yeah, yeah he was in his forties or so. Yeah. But for me, it was just like basically I had no religion growing up, and my brother has had a hard time with that because he really felt like he missed something. I've just always felt like I could be tolerant of every. I wasn't able to practice mine. Well, just, but, okay, take the, you know, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm Catholic, right? So we've got, you know, Christmas. Yeah. Okay, you guys have Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what, what did you do for Hanukkah? The first couple years we were there, I don't think we did anything. But I think as time went on and my brother was getting older and had more interest in learning about Judaism, I think my parents did some stuff. Did you, I mean, did you do a Christmas tree? Oh, yeah. We always did a Christmas okay, tree. Okay. So that, that is kind of yeah. not. You know, we were, really, never, we were never devout. You my, never had a menorah up, did you? Not in Saudi Arabia. That's what I mean. Never. That's what I'm talking no, about. Uh, yeah. No. So you, you, uh, you uh. couldn't put a menorah up during Hanukkah. No. In fact, you didn't even. I was told at a young age that we don't talk about it. And well, seriously, that, that was my other question. With was, anybody, you didn't talk about it. Wh- wh- as a child, you were what second grade? Yeah, when I okay. went over there. So as a child, you were probably told some pretty bizarre rules, like mm-hmm. that were like don't go outside the walls yeah. type rules. Yeah. Did you have any that you remember, like that Jewish or, or, or the walls ones, uh-huh. or were there were those actual examples, or what, yeah, well, what were I mean, some of those like rules? Yeah, I mean, it was mainly like when you went outside the camp. Okay, you know, when you went outside the camp, you were then subject to potential police, right? Right, and stuff like that. So if you break the law in camp, you're not going to go to jail. But you know, if you're in second grade. You know, don't leave the block. Right. No, you know, no, and, and was, so there's not a wall to stop my kid, but he still won't leave the block because there's a street. There was a there was a 12 foot high chain link fence with saying, razor wire. You guys on actually top of had it. a wall. Yeah. yeah. 
But, but you but, made us feel safe too. But you could come and go in the gates open. I yep. would imagine if somebody wasn't looking. Yeah. No. Well, you, you know, you had. To, they were all security gates. They would check IDs going uh, in, coming in and in. out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so make just, sure you were an actual resident. So it's just like going to Halliburton. <laughs> yeah, something like, <laughs> like going to their office in Watford City. Yeah, security I got check, it. proctal <laughs> exam. You know, same deal. Your freedom search. <laughs> freedom search. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, could you go over to the side, please, for your freedom search? Oh, not again. Oh, he's putting on the latex gloves. This oh, is not going to be fun. It's a good time to remind good. our listeners that Kate's Man Cave is our sponsor this week. I was just about to plug that as well. So, looks like you. Oh, man. Premature lair. Yep. Got me to the punch. All right. So, uh, that's interesting. Okay. So, I I think we got to f- do a whole segment on just the. Um, I don't even know how to phrase it because I was going to say kind of the Anne Frank of religion for you, but is that offensive to Anne Frank fans? I don't know, but that's what you had to do. I mean, if you guys were to celebrate Hanukkah, you had to do it in the basement where the menorah couldn't be seen in the picture window. You know, if you wanted to celebrate Christmas in Dahran, you had to be low key about it. You couldn't go. Yeah, you couldn't go downtown and buy Christmas lights. No, but you could have. Could you have a Christmas tree up? You could, and people did put lights up on their house. Tree would probably be artificial. That you'd have to all, ship yeah, we in. had we had the same tree for twenty years. Yeah, well, yeah. you're not, not really cutting down a pine <laughs> tree in the desert. Yeah, something I learned from you because you've got the same one you've been using for years. Yeah. it's better to reuse the damn thing. Oh, than yeah, cut down a new tree every year. It's much better. Yeah, we need more trees. We should be planting trees. Every I've Christmas. never figured out the, why people put live dead trees in there. I, I don't get that. You know, Jim Gaffigan summed it up great. You know, like it's it's the behavior of a drunk man. Okay, I'm gonna go outside. I'm gonna go cut a tree down and bring it inside. Okay, we're gonna go take the lights. I mean, it is. It really is. The way he just dissected how we act on Christmas, and he's like, "This is the behavior of a drunk man." Yeah, totally. Drive on the forest, hack a tree down. But no, my actually because of course you know I was an environmentalist and I still am. That it it was more to that. I I didn't see the logic behind it. Yeah. It was kind of like the whole paper versus plastic. I had a problem with paper bags because, to me, that was a dead tree. Yeah. I was like, well, I'll just use the plastic one. And then when they got to the actual thicker plastic reusable ones, I mean, I've had reusable tote bags for almost 20 years. Yeah. Back when I used to go to Tochi, when Tochi was the only hippie store in town. Now everybody's got a tote bag. Now now you can get almond milk everywhere. Back back in the day when I used to walk uphill, both hills, to squeeze my own almonds in the the cold of snow winter, (laughs) Tochi was the only place in town. And they wouldn't, they wouldn't, in fact, they, they did boxes. Really? They, did, they didn't even do paper bag or plastic bags. Sort of the Costco did model. Reusable boxes from their. Yeah. Oh no, from their stuff. Yeah, just reuse their stuff. So you'd get like, well, who's that hippie guy? Um, Bob's Mill. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking I about the so, guy yeah. who sells stuff in the bag. Yep. Bob's Red Mill. So you'd get the box of Bob's Red yeah. Mill. You know that sort of thing. <laughs> you get your groceries in there. So anyway, so you uh, stumbled upon the boys. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about some shows that are available for streaming. And this is available on, is it Hulu? Actually, I want to say this is on Prime. Is it Prime? I think it's Prime. Okay. I think it's Amazon Prime. Yeah. Either way, it's available yeah, on it's, one of the It might be available on Hulu, too. Networks. Yeah. It's called The yeah, Boys. The Boys, yeah. Carl Urban. Okay. Great actor. You would know him from... 
Uh, he played Bones in the new Star Trek movies. He played Judge Dredd in Judge Dredd. He played Wait, Bones is different than the show Bones? Yeah, different than the show Bones. Lost this me right whole there. whole new conversation. Keep in <laughs> mind, folks, I got rid of my television in 2008. Uh, so... Actually, 2006. I apologize. Yeah, I think you'd like this, though. It's got superheroes. It's got sex and violence, gratuitous amounts of both. I watched the first five minutes. Oh, when the girlfriend explodes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So somebody's like hugging or kissing. Yeah. The Flash runs through. Yeah. A-Train. It's a Flash, right? Yeah. It's it's accident. Okay. And the the idea is is that these are superheroes Mm -hmm. in today's day. Yeah. With marketing departments, PR people, all that. And they're most of them are bad because, well, they can be. Yeah, I mean, the whole premise is that the you know apparently they're born with these, but you come to find out, you know, spoiler alert later that they're all basically created by the company that you know basically employs them. Oh, they're but, all Iron Man. They're all well, Batman. They're, you find out again, spoilers, but it's DARPA I'm, created. I'm way behind, so anybody who's spoiled by this is clearly not even watching as much as I have. But yeah, so the company creates them by injecting children randomly at birth, right, as their babies <gasps> to create superheroes. Is there is there like conspiracies because of the COVID? Total, it's total. Is well, this a COVID vaccine actually, deal? I wonder if that if that might have played in. This is based on, I believe, a comic book series, so I don't think it's. If they want to sell the COVID vaccine, they got to market it like that. Market like, it as a well, like, like it's the Willy Wonka thing. It'll give you a superpower. One in a million, you're going to get some sort of, <laughs> you know, you're going to be the Flash. I'll, I'll tell you what, man, because I've always loved superpowers. I might actually get the vaccine, I man. think you should watch the show. But it, uh, the biggest impression I had, other than it looks cool, is, uh, man, I'm glad we don't really have superheroes. I am DB, okay, the International Movie Database is what I do believe IMDB stands for. You are correct, sir. Here's the description. A group of vigilantes set out to take down corrupt superheroes who abuse their powers. And like I said, I watched the first five minutes. It's on Amazon Prime. And I went, oh, this is a this is a think movie. This is a think series. I got to actually, this is like Fargo. I got to, I got to, I can't. Multitask. I got to actually watch. It's this. worth investing time in. And it's not I super just, deep or anything. But. I still, you know, haven't even gotten to Twin Peaks yet. Oh well, that one you definitely want to watch and not. That's what I'm saying. So I, I put that in the list. <laughs> not of, that it'll okay. make any more sense watching it, but when am I going to find time at night? Because I'm yeah. not going to watch this during the day. No, if it's nice outside. No, I mean I've got a dog now, and you know I've got you know. Well, well I, we're I, done I, hibernating. Now it's time to get let's outside. Let's be honest. I got a life. You got the life. So uh, most of my yeah, new, new movie watching, had a good one the other night, Yeah, uh, is at night. So, But then I'm sleeping by 6.30. So. I'd say cue this one up, throw in the first episode, see if it grabs you. So what's good about it? Well, you know, like I said, I always like superheroes in general, so I like special effects and stuff like that. But the characters are, are interesting. There's so there's know, a Flash character. There's a Flash character. There's essentially a Wonder Woman character, a Superman character, a Batman type character, an Aquaman type character. Uh, yeah, they're like. What do they do with the Aquaman character? How does he's he, actually got a really interesting? How story. does he abuse his powers? Well, he sexually assaults one of their new members. Okay, does does he sexually assault fish? No, but he. He they can, don't tie that movie. No, they don't tie that part in. Okay. But he is, uh, he can understand them. Okay. So like when he walks past uh, a pet store, he can hear them screaming. 
you know, the goldfish. Like, get me out. Yeah, okay. that kind of thing. Okay. So he's got a real, and he's real body conscious because he's got gills on his chest. You know, he's a. Oh. It's an interesting character. Oh, he's a little vain, too. He starts off, and you, you're just like, this guy's a complete douchebag because he sexually assaults this very nice girl. I mean, assaulting anybody, but you just think immediately this guy's worthless. He's having an interesting character arc. That's, you feel sorry for him more a, than anything. That's interesting um, that they're able to do that. Well, it's a lot of what well, well a lot of uh, uh executives and movies and are, are getting away from the sexual assaults on yeah. screen. Yeah. That something new cuz this is only what 2018 is, right? Yeah, is I think it? it's been going for about 2 years now. Yeah, there's season 3, so And it's, it's you know, two, it's 2019, it's, 2020, 2021, yeah. And like all those streaming uh, platforms with their own content is they can really like HBO when we were kids, you can have really anything. Remember when No, I know, but it just seems odd that, you know, we're taking away blackface and some are putting in blackface. That's what it seems type. like. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like, oh, okay, so the some of the more established stuff, they're trying to be parents now by taking away stuff, but now some of the young edgy stuff is ushering in. Yeah. Well, we saw it with Stone Cold Steve Austin Absolutely. and the New World Order. Yep. That the that they brought that grit. Pro wrestling got so popular that Stone Cold Steve Austin ushered in a whole new way to Absolutely. say F you to your boss. Because yeah. didn't, you know, it had almost swung too cartoony. Oh, it did. It, and it, then, and then, yeah. you know, and, and that's just a result of its popularity. Right. You had the cartoons, you had all the stuff, but then when you got Stone Cold and you got New World Order, I mean, it was like, it was like the perfect 90s and the synergy rock. and the rock of that edgy extreme. Right? And, and the rock was almost like a hybrid of cartoony and real. But then people realized, like, oh, that's just him. He had a face like a cartoon <laughs> character and a body like the Hulk. I mean, as soon as he raised one eyebrow, it was over. It was over. Yep. We 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 loved yep. him. Yep. I mean, and you know, do you smell what the Rock is? Co- oh, we don't want to well, get on uh, that. Yeah. But. I mean, we could go into a whole thing. You know, after he's announced his presidency officially, we'll have to do a whole show on it. We and hopefully we can get him on. I'd like to see if we can. God, um, to him. Also, by the way, I'm going to be on a podcast, it looks like. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, I've been getting a lot of interesting requests lately. Uh, so, uh, to- uh, Donald Trump Jr. Yeah, tell me about this. You texted me yesterday, and I thought you were just joking. No, no. So, his um, one of his mm-hmm. publicists. I'm sure he's re- got a couple. Yeah, reached out to me. Um, I might have some... Uh, circuits coming up in the near future doing some some uh, i might be i might be no i might be used as a correspondent again i was back in uh, bbc during the uh, dapple protests Mm -hmm. well there's new issues now and well apparently rush limbaugh's dead now so uh, it's 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 the mad 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 world people are looking for anybody so they're they're slumming it now (laughs) although i heard they gave uh what's his name dan Bagino? No, no, they got a spot, but yeah. you know they're still they're trying to find new voices, right? And so anyway, it was it was a publicist for Donald Trump Jr. reached out to me. He also worked with Glenn Beck and 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 um, Coulter. Curry and Coulter. Oh, and Coulter and Coulter. I was going to say and Curry. That'd be an odd mixture there. And okay. uh, right, wouldn't it be? <laughs> Her and Sabas. Oof. And Jim Cramer too. We'll just throw him in there. Why not? Uh, but anyway, so he reached out to me, and then it looks like uh, some Bitcoin podcasts now want me to reach out. Isn't it funny, just in the last couple of months, how much Bitcoin, not just the price, but... So they want me to appear on a, a Bitcoin podcast to talk about some energy issues. Look at me cross-promoting. Dude, so this is great. 
So I might end up on the 24-hour news circuit. That's what we need, more Jason Spees. Hey, Bitcoin's at 56,284 right now. My guess is they got to have a channel Ocho on a lot of those places now, right? Right, ESPN 15. ESPN Ocho. They're going to put me on something like that, I would imagine. There's no way they're going to put me on the big time. No, yeah. in fact, I'll probably even recommend. You got an ESPN Ocho? Yeah, you got like a C-SPAN at 4 a.m., you know, C-SPAN. for the unemployable and the drunk children that are just getting up for school. That may have been the greatest analogy I've heard this month, is that it used to be I used to wear like a, like a badge of honor, okay? You don't want to say pride, because pride's one of the seven deadly sins, so you try to have honor, okay? Right. So... I used to wear like a badge of honor. I got a call one day out of the blue when COVID hit. And a guy said, Jason, I've listened to over 100 podcasts since COVID hit. And he goes, I got to tell you, you're my favorite podcast because yours is the only podcast that doesn't sound like a meeting. Okay. <laughs> and I said, well, thank you, because we actually try very hard to not sound like a meeting. Yeah, we want to have disorganization. Fun. It takes a lot of work. You did the same thing. When I went down to the Permian, you said that you had a lot of out-of-town jobs, and you listened to a ton of podcasts. Yep. And you said, there's not one out there like us. I was surprised, shocked. There's not. not like we're doing anything super special. Just talking, man. Okay. Well, we we actually have a little bit of. Well, purpose, you're special. Okay, yeah. we actually do have a template to the show, and there's, there is a little bit of a mission. Well, I don't want statement. to give away the secrets, though. So the other day, when you said that the podcasts have just become an extension of C-SPAN, yeah, <laughs> boy, did you hit the nail on the head. That is that is the uh, review of you don't sound like a meeting. Yeah, all the other ones sound like a meeting is just, I didn't realize C-SPAN was so popular. <laughs> I didn't because either, actually. everybody's trying to it mimic really C-SPAN. Yeah. Well, and then you got the guy in Colorado, the guy in charge of uh, the Oil and Gas Association. Mm-hmm. He's trying to mimic Saturday Night Live by doing a skit. Now, that's interesting. Awarding North Face, the uh, uh, oil and gas. I mean, you know, here, here the crude life has featured a woman every single day this month. And North Face is getting an award to be a better oil and gas person than us? Come on. And wasn't North Face the one that just refused an totally. oil for a, oil and gas? Totally. We live in a topsy-turvy oh, world man. here, man. It's Things failing are, upward is what it is. I don't the, understand. The people in charge of educated awareness are trying to compete with Jon Stewart and Saturday Night Live, you know, with The Daily Show by, yeah. by scripting and doing their own little joke ceremonies and trying to do that. It's either and then, C-SPAN or sports show. And, and then you got every you got. podcast out there trying to mimic C-SPAN. Exactly. And you're right. It is a bunch of C-SPANs. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Nobody listened to C-SPAN. No. So we do things differently here. At least We're going to talk about pictures. the boys. We're going to yes. talk about the boys because you know what? There's a lot of people that are watching the boys instead of listening to us. <laughs> God dang right. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, it's... A- what, what is the most popular thing on YouTube? Seriously. Oh, geez. Cat Seriously. videos? What is the most popular thing on YouTube that kids s- watch? Something. Oh, the... My, sh- it's, it's somebody playing a video game commenting. Yeah. Okay. Or playing with their toys and commenting. Right. Yeah. It, it, that, th- watching they, other people do other things that you can do. So I, I'm pr- pretty soon, I think we have to do what South Park did, is we need to just grab some people and comment on what they're doing. Be like, oh, there's <laughs> just do a running commentary. There's John and John just sitting around being is. dumb, you know, just because you, you got to be polarizing, right? Yeah, You're either really great or really dumb. Yeah, so, there's no in between, man. It's just, anyway. oh, yeah. Anyway, how do we get on this? The boys, the boys, 
See, we're using our powers for evil right now. You know, if I had superpowers, it would be really tempting to be kind of a jerk sometimes. I'll tell you what, though. It made me really think that there's just no good thing that would ever happen from real superheroes. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had a cough there. So uh, I did have actually have a point to this. So, Oh, man. I was told there'd be no the point. The top shows right now, according to Esquire magazine of 2021, because we're going to end it on this because we've apparently gone to a half an hour is the, a show called The Terror. It's by Ridley Scott. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've heard of that one. I haven't seen Another it. one called Your Honor. Right? I haven't heard of it. Murder Among the Mormons. Never heard of it. Waffles plus Mochi. I would try that. Bill Bailey colon Limbo Land. For All Mankind. Okay, I've roughly heard of that. That's on Apple. Oh, yeah. I've never seen it because you got to have Apple. Exactly. I was going to say, so nobody's seen it. Yeah, but I hear it's great. <laughs> Can't get you out of my head an emotional history of the modern world. Jeez, I not know any of these. The Investigation. Zero, zero, zero. Well, that was an imaginative title. <laughs> I was like, that was just the first file name that came up. WandaVision. There's got to be Wanda Sykes, right? No, WandaVision was a uh, Disney Marvel movie. Okay, well, Marvel there we series. go. Yep. That, there you go, folks. Those are the top. And, I, and there was a few others that I just left out, but those are the top shows mm-hmm. that are being streamed and are that available as far as the new things right now on the streaming networks. And I, have, I didn't hear one of them. I've not heard of one yeah, of them. I've heard of maybe two out of that list. That just shows you, folks, I am so out of it. But <laughs> Well, you've got other things. To, even I, man, I can only devote so much time out of the day to watch something. 30 minutes here, that's about it. But we're going to do this. I, I'm gonna, we're we're going to pick a movie, Okay. and you're going to watch it, and I'm going to watch it, and we're going to do a, a recap at least once every two weeks. Okay, like so, a Siskel and Ebert type of thing? Something. And maybe okay. it's an oil and gas show. Maybe it's a new cinematic thing. Something. But just something so it's pop culture related. Yeah. And we'll bring like a Tiffany Wilson on or a Kate Hornbrook or That's a, a Sean idea. Forbes. You know, it'll be more than just you and me. No. No, we got to bring somebody else We in. should maybe look at that list we read a couple of weeks ago about the we'll oil and gas we'll movies. We'll start and there. We'll pick with those. I haven't seen half those ones from the early 50s, you know? Let's see if we can go more than five yeah. minutes on that stuff. So, folks, <laughs> we'll be back. Standing in the rain. I woke up on a diesel track. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com.
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. We're going to do some news here in just a moment or two. News and news speak. News, rumors, and newspeak. That's right, because we got to say the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, because we don't always necessarily believe it's news. news. Yeah, well, you know, more often than not, I'm finding headlines and then a bunch of word salad and keywords. Word salad. Yeah. This is interesting, though. The uh, Suez Canal. You've, you're aware of the canal, right? I am. Okay. Are we doing news? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you wanted well, to do I wanna, news. I want to get the sounder up. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> Put on your news thinking hat. I got a chug of your master brew. What is that? Well, it's a little later in the morning now. Yeah. I got up early. This is kombucha. Kombucha. My hippie drink. Yeah. It's Look at that. This like is an ESG drink right really? here, man. Getting your social governance on with. <laughs> we are now ESG certified because I'm drinking kombucha. Is it glass? It is. Oh, yeah, it's glass. Nice. Yeah, it goes in the trash right yep. when you're done. Right in the trash. Tart cherry. Yeah, he's all right. Up. What's going on? Ooh, he's getting tart. all hydrated. Yeah. So the Suez Canal got Probiotics. is blocked. Is blocked currently. Blocked by a giant container vessel that is uh, sending ripples of disruption through the global energy supply chain. What Euro- now? Yeah. So European and U.S. refiners that rely on the water, vital waterway for cargoes of Middle Eastern oil are forced to look for replacement supplies should the blockage persist persist longer than the next couple of days. They think it'll take about two or so days to get it unstuck. 
uh, but that's going to be long enough to scramble energy flows, creating an extra headache for refiners, traders, and producers. It's a giant tanker ran aground on Tuesday, blocking traffic in both directions. Okay, so a year ago, I was having a conversation with uh, a CEO, gentleman, friend of mine, and we were trying to figure out how to navigate through the COVID. And we were trying to just figure out what the marketplace could do because everything was shut down at that time. March yeah. Madness had just got shut down. You know, that it's all, like a ghost town outside here for a while. Well, you couldn't go yeah, outside. I mean, yeah, the only people be, out were the people working. You'd be arrested. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Walmart said you could only go north south in certain aisles. Okay. That's how much control they had. Yeah. Well, for some of us that weren't getting any money, we had to figure out how we were going to make our bills. And yeah. so we were trying to figure out what could go and work in the marketplace. Okay, well, sanitation. Well, if everything's COVID. So you're trying to figure these things out. Yeah. Oil storage is where we went to. Oil storage. Okay, if we could just store barrels of oil somehow. If we had land, if we had big tankers. Just to hold on to it till it... it was something. Yeah. Well, then a month later on 420, on 420, uh-huh. negative oil hit. Because you must be high, negative oil hit, right? Yeah. And so... Which I'd never even heard of before. That's when I got a text saying if we would have done the oil storage, we would have made $687,000 today based on that initial Just on X that. amount investment because uh, of the swing of oil price yeah. from right around this time last year. And that's when I was like going, okay, are we heading towards negative oil again? No, I'm not going down that path. <laughs> But that's what it kind of reminded me of where if you're in the oil storage business, mm-hmm. and I don't even know what that is, this is an example of you could make some bank right now. Yeah, I imagine that there's, I mean, they say that there's other pipeline networks that can help them bypass the impact of the blockage mostly. Uh, well, but it does need for pipelines. It does cause some restriction in the flow of up to what apparently is 2.8 million barrels a day flowing through that canal. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Is the you so look what, at it's what like a choke happened point. with this. It was like it, it looks went like sideways, right? Yeah, it looks like I was just reading a little bit more about what happens when you go through the canal because the canal is ancient. I mean, really, it's been around since what? Uh, right after World War II or right before World War II? I mean, did like a speed boat go by and the wake was too big? <sighs> no, apparently the the ship was uh, too heavily laden. What does that mean? So it, uh, most of these gigantic super tankers have to offload some of their uh, cargo before they can pass through the Suez Canal because they're just bigger than this canal was ever designed to, to handle. Looks like this one didn't, or they didn't do it right. It's too heavy? Or? Yeah, so it basically got stuck. It got wedged in okay. there. Okay. Yeah. But, and that actually is enough to impact the price of oil. Oh, yeah. And it, I'm not sure if it's still the case, but I know it used to be the case that you basically, if you were going through the Suez, uh, you you had to hire an operator. You know, basically somebody who piloted your ship through it. Sure. So I'd be kind of curious, man, because you imagine somebody's going to get fired for this. <laughs> well, I would think. Oh, geez. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Probably get a promotion now. Yeah, really, right? Today's Failing upward. Yeah. For me, it was just kind of interesting. Congratulations, Johnny. You screwed up the price <laughs> of oil for three days. Here's a promotion. It's an extra 10 days, apparently, if they go around the Cape of Good Hope, if they go around Africa instead of going through the canal. And you think about there's so many choke points 
in this world that, you know, from sea traffic that pipelines kind of make more sense to me, right? Oh, totally. Well, look at they did on in Panama. They had to build that canal. Mm-hmm. That's a process. You got to, they got to, um, and we owned it for a long time. It oh, was ours. Drain water. Oh, and man. Put water in and put up these big doors. And- yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever, if you ever watch it, this is real nerdy, but if you've ever watched some of the ships go through the locks, it's fascinating because it's not like they start on one area and end on the next. They're going through uh, sea levels that are totally different heights. It's a process. Right? They got to go. Process. They got to rise. They got to sink. It's, it's amazing engineering. And when you talk to somebody who's been on the cruise ships that have to go through that, mm-hmm. They they all say the same thing. Like I know this is amazing, but it was the most boring. Oh god, part of the it tour. takes forever. Exactly, yeah. and you're stuck. Yeah, and they're trying to sell it as this is great Dude. and everything, and you're like, just get me to the shops. That's why you love the open bar <laughs> at <laughs> <Exactly>. that point. <laughs> all right, what's uh, next for news? Okay, now this one, I this really caught my eye. You're, you're of course more aware of this company than I am. This is Occidental Petroleum. Occidental. Occidental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Big of the top company. tier. Yeah, yeah, they've apparently been in the uh, business for over 40 years. So the Occidental Petroleum CEO, Vicki Halbub, plans to transform her oil and gas business into a carbon management company and to break ground next year on a direct air capture facility that will suck carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere in the Permian Basin, the country's most prolific oil field. The idea is to help the environment and make money at the same time. Occidental has been capturing carbon dioxide from its oil and gas operations for 40 years, injecting it underground to help help recover more oil from its reserves. This is interesting. Um, what, who's, who's writing this? This is, well, your favorite. This is off of Yahoo News Insider News. And it's no, that's a, okay. Is it actually Yahoo? Uh, yeah, it comes from their, in, their Insider News. Okay, so it um, actually comes from Yahoo's editorial yep. staff. Okay. Yeah, and it looks pretty, like pretty the rare, author actually. is Kathy Buswitz. Okay. And it's a Q&A with the CEO, Vicki Holub. Oh, they got the Q and A sit down. They got to sit not, down. Okay, so it's, it's not, not an just, aggregate of like it's Washington not just Post speculation. No, it's. Um, is it like a transcript Q and A? Yeah, yeah. So they've got a, basically a Q and A on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I might actually go read that. This one so. is worth reading because what? Well, the, here's what I took from this, and the reason why I asked for the source, mm-hmm. and now I'm glad to hear that this is actually coming from the horse's mouth. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, can Can you say horse's mouth nowadays? When you're dealing with female CEOs, I think you can say horse. It's, it's an expression, right? I it's, mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't see race, um, Mr. Chang, Mr. Chang, right? Yeah, but okay. uh, yeah, I think you can get away with. You've already gotten away with it, so. Well, what, what I, I was going to actually applaud whoever wrote this, and because what I'm hearing, well, it's twofold actually. Number one, they're grabbing the narrative. The narrative is being grabbed. Oh, absolutely. Um, she is doing a fantastic job of doing wordplay and coming up with new buzzwords to try to grab the lemmings. Yeah. Okay. Carbon management, capture, you know, I mean, it was all, all these new words I was hearing, like, oh, these are fabulous buzzwords to try to get in with the noise, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, though, it's, um, it's it's a step towards John Kerry, and and the climate climate envoy of the transitioning thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I I think there's a difference, and this is this is going to be the devil in the details here. To where I believe the oil and gas companies were going to transition anyway. It was all the above. It was an evolution. Mm-hmm. It had been happening already. Yeah. 
that's what bothers me is that when they start using the word transition, that means John Kerry and Joe Biden and AOC and um, the climate envoy. I don't even know who the climate envoy is. I don't know. I'm sorry, the climate czar. Czar. Well, uh, no, McCarthy. there's not. Yeah, McCarthy, right? Kerry's the envoy, yeah. Um, that's their narrative. Mm-hmm. So anybody from the oil and gas industry that is going along with the transition word is agreeing with them. Okay, that's what bothers me because that means they're controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. You need to grab it and say, transitioning Guys, we've been doing this for a decade. Yeah. Don't you remember the Super Bowl ad when BP was doing LG? You know, I mean, start yeah. citing examples. The body, yeah. like I say, the body of work is done both on the negative and the positive. Absolutely. The the I mean, the the BPs and the Shells and the Exxons, they've been transitioning for twenty years. Yeah, you don't just turn on a dime. No. And no. start doing this stuff. This had to have been in the pipe, literally for yeah. a while now. Oh, in the pipeline, yep. totally. So. I, I get it that some of the younger companies and some of the you know um, Johnny come lately types they're jumping on the transition word because mm-hmm. the ESG and the transition and all that all the buzzwords. But at the end of the day, no, grab the narrative and say, you, you know, we we did all the above, and and you guys are going to call it transition? No, no, no. No, 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 well, no. Well, that's why somebody like this. That's what the from API Occidental, should be having. Yeah, they should be getting out and saying, "Yeah, I'm glad you guys have finally come to the party." Right. <laughs> Thanks for coming on board. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, it only took a 16 year old girl going around the country to get you guys on board with us. Right. It's kind of like what Kevin Kramer was trying to say in his, you know, snarky way. But I, I think it's the way to go. Go join the Paris Climate Accord and say. Be like us. We're not going to be like you. You guys suck. Be like us. Blow. Don't suck. Yeah, well, blow. that's the problem. It's, it's, it's one side says suck, the other side says blow, and, you know. So I, I see, you know, that is interesting because on one hand, I do see her grabbing the narrative. Absolutely. But on the other hand, I also see her conceding on the existential narrative, Okay. And so we're almost there. We're getting there. Yeah. This is a good step. This is a really good step, I think. For me, at least, you know, you read the, you read the article and you, you get the sense that this is something that they can already do. They already do to some extent. Now they're going to be increasing their capacity to do that. And at the same time, it's going to give them, she was saying, they're going to be able to get even more production out of some of those existing reservoirs that they have and ensure the sustainability of that oil production over time. So she's talking about, she says, the third thing it's going to produce is carbon neutral or negative oil. And that's really important for aviation and maritime industries and other industries that would otherwise have a very difficult time lowering their carbon footprint. So we think that's going to be important for them. So what she's saying is by being able to do what we can do, that will free up other companies that have to burn that stuff to move from point A to point B. Did she just give my crazy idea She just said negative oil. I know. And I just took it away from myself. I think you got to get that back, man. I'm sorry, but in that previous story, there was enough tea leaves for me to actually bring it up. Yeah. And I, I have not looked at any of these news stories that you are doing. I'll, I'll read the news. You need That's to read this crap. one. No, I'll read this, this one. This one's worth it. This is a transcript. This yeah. is different. This transcripts I'll read. It's actual words. Yeah, it's th- actual well, stated. It, the people are saying things. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's kind of like the crude life. The reason we don't take out the ums and the ahs and all that other stuff 
is because we want to show you this is the real interview. This is gorilla right here. This is raw, real, crude. Yep. And by the way, they're experts. So the ums and the o's are occasional. Yeah. But either way, it's part of their speech pattern. <laughs> and the people that come on the crude life know what they're talking about. Yeah. These are not just people that, except for us in the last segment, trying to do pop culture. That was a train wreck because <laughs> neither one of us have time to watch very much pop culture yeah. to where we had to concede with, okay, you're going to commit two hours this weekend. Right. I yeah. will too, and we'll do a review. And we're talking more about what our kids watch. That shows what we are. But the other part of this story that I find interesting is I don't know how much further we're going to go or how much more evidence we need to say that women have a voice because the energy secretary was the last transcript I read mm-hmm. in the Washington Post. Yeah, that was a week and or two I, ago. And I came out and said, whoa, she's grabbing the narrative to say, guys, it's done. Jump on board or die in the vine. Yeah, it was okay? more of a fait accompli. It's already done. Now, the next transcript that I'm going to read is from another woman, right? Is this mm-hmm. a woman? CEO, yes, she is. Right? Yes, she is she? the CEO. Yes, what was she the name? Is it, may, maybe, is it not a name like Stacy, right? Which no. can be ambiguous or Pat? <laughs> no, her name... It was like Debbie, right? It is Vicky, Vicky. Holub, okay. CEO of Occidental Petroleum. Debbie. Where did Debbie come from, know. man? That's like the Karen of Debbies? I don't know. It just came to me. I'm like, <laughs> I know it was a distinct female name. And so... Oh, man. She's... Grabbing the narrative and the voice. Getting I have not seen a man do that. No. All I've seen a man do in the last six months is shout louder with a, with some different words. Or resign from their committee and their ergot. Oh, totally. You know, I mean, yeah. Or, or spend more money on the same thing. Yeah. So what I'm seeing here is a new approach and a way that's grabbing the narrative. I like this. Yeah. yeah but at the definitely. same time... I think there's a little bit work to improve on too, which is we need to rethink how we're packaging and redoing this transition because that's their word, not ours. Yeah. And every time we say it, we're reacting to them. Well, we just, we, we make it more real. You know, we're solidifying We're validating it. Yeah, we're val- validating it. it. Yep. Validating it. Val- we're validating it. You know, uh, Kombucha. she What's says, uh, Vicky, the CEO of Occidental Petroleum, wants to be the Tesla of a carbon capture. So I would say she's really grabbing the narrative and trying to get out in front of it. That makes, this leads into the next. She's trying to relate to that side too. Yep. To those, those people that are Tesla worshipers. (laughs) There's a lot of them. This comes from a news site, your basin. By the way, at my date last night, how'd that go? Um, keep your, keep your finger on the pulse. I'm I'm right there. I'm pulsing. Um, he's pointing an empty bottle at me. Guess who parked in the handicap spot? The Tesla. The Tesla? The Tesla parked in the handicap spot, and I went and looked. There was no handicap sticker. Oh. Well, maybe you have to be somewhat handicapped to drive a Tesla? Do you, do you get a ha- Are you entitled to the handicap spot? That's spots? a perfect entitlement picture right there. I, I actually right? I wanted to take a That's picture just, of it. Yeah. It was at the frying pan. Oh my God! What a what pan, a what a contrast! The pancake man. hut, the pancake hut, <laughs> in the elect you know the fifty thousand dollar electric car illegally parked in the handicap spot. That's she brilliant. She said she wanted pancakes a- for dinner, and I said, "You want to go to the pancake hut?" She texts back, "I hop," <laughs> and I go, "No, you know the village pan." <laughs> You're just trying to get there. The frying there in. There you go. The you know, I just in. started mi- mixing up all the different names and stuff, and she's she was like, "What?" 
So, dude, any woman sure that wants to date. go to the frying pan for breakfast for dinner, she's a keeper. So there was a Tesla parked in the handicap spot, and there was a lot of assumptions and a lot of pictures worth a thousand words that yeah. I could have done and yeah. did do. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah, in your mind. <laughs> if you were so, in my mind, you would have been like, whoa. Let's get back to the news story. All right, right so this one, this... Uh, she, she wants to be like Tesla, like we all do. Yep, she wants to be Everybody like Tesla. Everybody wants the Musk now, money. A little over the way in Louisiana, the governor there says Louisiana is moving away from oil and gas and shifting renewable energy. Governor John Bell Edwards says Louisiana is moving away from oil and gas toward, toward renewable energy. We're looking at carbon capture and real? sequestration. We're going to be refining diesel in Louisiana from corn and from soybeans and from pine trees. Oh, so we are like absolutely this. moving in that direction already, but we need to accelerate that. They've invested billions in the Lake Charles area down there for the petrochemical industry. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a huge swing. That's a huge swing, if that's right. It is. This is from uh, yourbasin.com out of Texas. All right. I'm going to have to get somebody on from Louisiana to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, this guy's huge. I'll get Dr. Scott on. He writes their economic policy for the state of Louisiana. We'll get him on. And there's that word, transition, transition. Yeah, I can't do the governor there. Yeah. No, I'll do the... Um, I'll do the guy that writes the report for the governor. <laughs> he's He actually knows what he's talking right, right, about. Right, right, right. This yep. guy, I don't even understand. What well, they, he does say, he does go on to say that the, we're not talking about this happening overnight. He said, we're trying to find a way to make this switch without hurting Louisiana because if you shut it down right now, that would leave 100,000 residents without a job and destroy an industry that drives our economy. I'm getting a little bit tired of us being so concerned about the future that we're forgetting about the present. There's a lot of people right now that don't have running water. There's a lot of people that are using cow dung and uh, uh, elephant dung to heat their homes. There's a lot of people in America. There's a lot of people in America. Yeah. With food we, insecurity? With- uh, you know what? For, forget it. 85% of our firefighters volunteer in America. There. Let's just start with that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we're all about jobs, right? We don't, we don't give a shit about the people, right? We're all about jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, That's cor- the metric. Corporations are people, too. Right. And the government is people, too, right? Even though they can't go to jail, they're people, too. Yeah. They, they, they can't be committed for a crime, but they're people they're too. They're special people. So, okay, 85% of firefighters are volunteer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't we have an emergency responder that's a firefighter if we need to justify there's If there's not enough dumpster fires out there for firefighters and cats up in the tree for right. firefighters to put out, whatever the case is, my problem is this. We're sending all this money to Israel. We're sending all this money to foreign countries. Mm-hmm. We're sending all this money to Mars. Yeah. Think of how much money we've spent on Mars just to get struck out after struck out after struck out. I don't even know what the heck we're doing up there to begin with. I, I get it. We're building st- a secret escape base for Elon Musk, dude. What, whatever we're doing, of course. it's been Duh. trillions of dollars probably we spent on that. At least hundreds of millions. Yeah. But all this is in the name of the future yeah. to save us. Well, who's going to help us today? I mean, when I think about how much money we've spent on Mars, we could everybody could probably have a gold-plated house <laughs> in America. Every firefighter that's been volunteering could have a gold-plated house. Yep. Hey, I, I totally agree with you. At the same time, I also am the guy that loves watching those videos of the landing on Mars, of the first steps of the rover, of the, the fact that you're basically looking at what, to me, looks like New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. <laughs> but I get it, you know. 
I get the space program yeah. and everything else. But like you're that. right. It's like, you know, it was easier to justify in the Cold War because there was a clear purpose. We well, need go, to beat the Russians. Go back to this guy here um, in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Well, they got a big problem now because if they've invested all that money into petrochemicals down in Lake Charles and, and the facilities that are supposed to be done in the next couple of years. Yeah. That's why, you and know, all of a sudden now they're saying, just kidding. That's what they did in the Bakken. Yeah. Hey guys, 30 year play, come bring your family, come invest all your life savings. Two years later, after everybody did it. Oh shit. We forgot to carry the one. Sorry guys. It's a, it's a, the re the, the ducks are, aren't as good either. Oh, I moved up here in the, the, the golden time of the boom. And it was just stunning to listen to public figures, talk about this as if there's never been a boom and a bust. And it's not going to go away. And it was like, I mean, they were talking about it in terms of like Alaska type money where everybody's going to get money because of this and it's going to be flowing into the state forever. Well, now to be fair, to be fair, during the bust, during the 14, 15, 16, whenever whenever you want to consider the downturn, the bust, they were still pumping out a million barrels a day. Right, yeah. Okay, so... The, the the downturn wasn't so much of a downturn. It was more of a consolidation and efficiency more than anything. Because if you're under 40 bucks mm-hmm. and you're still pumping out a million barrels a day. You've got to be making it somewhere. And you weren't pumping out a million barrels a day before 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, something's still going right. Well, it makes me wonder. Someone's still making somebody's money. Somebody's storing that stuff, well, right? No, somebody's yeah. still making money. Yeah. If you're pumping out a million barrels at 40 bucks a barrel, do the math. Yeah. Do the math. That's a daily contribution into the economy. Boom. Yeah, and everybody always needs it. That's the thing. Some what people it, need it more. 400 million, right? 400 million? I think so. If it's 40, or 40 million. No. No, if, 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 you're doing, if you're doing a million barrels a day yeah. at 40 bucks a barrel. Forty million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So during the downturn, the state the state of North Dakota was putting forty million dollars just from the energy industry into the economy every day. Wow. And Texas was doing ten times as much. Yeah. Oh no, there was there was three years where Texas uh, and North Dakota carried the country Mm -hmm. country. Okay, because because of the oil boom. Yeah, well, that's one of the reasons we moved up here was just because the economy in general was doing so well. We got any fun stories, by the way? All right, let's see. Up next, something a little bit more less depressing, I hope. (laughs) Hang on to that COVID-19 vaccination card. It's important. Haven't we been talking about this? Passports now, basically. Proof of vaccination may allow us to begin resuming our normal activities in the near future. Photos that display COVID-19 vaccination card like a badge of honor. I've been making the rounds on social media for months, but the card is more than fodder for selfies. It could be a ticket to freedom in the coming months, so it should be protected as such. All right. I don't know what this is about, and you can stop right there. Wow. So this is uh, propaganda to get us having a discussion about whether vaccine cards are good or not, okay? Yeah. So Hitler would have loved this with where's your papers, because this is just a a whole different version of it, but... How can how dare I say that because it's health related and it's public health, blah, blah, blah. Here's where I'm going with this. When I grew up, there were certain things you didn't talk about. You didn't talk about your health. You didn't talk about how much money you made. Uh, you, you didn't really talk about your religion. Um, you'd actually talk about sex before you'd talk about any of that stuff, to be honest. <laughs> and when I think about now what people are talking about, I get daily texts from people mm-hmm. with phone numbers i don't even know 
So I, it's apparently somebody I know, but I haven't even programmed their name into my phone yet, right? Okay. Round one of my vaccine. Okay. People are just blasting out there and putting on social media mm-hmm. to the tune to where some people are being warned by their health professionals now, take down your information. It's got your birth date, your social security. Oh, geez. Because they're putting up their vaccine card yes. with all their information <laughs> on there, Okay. <laughs> I mean, hey, hacker, yeah. come steal from me. Oh, that's just it. Right? I'll just leave the keys in the door, man. So you, you've got that whole idiocracy coming into play beyond the fact that the way I was raised, we didn't talk about that stuff. I mean, yeah. people died of cancer and you found out in the obits. Right. I mean, that's how people, people, well, they were, we were Catholics, man. Right. You, you, you kept we, it to yourself. We repressed yeah, our you guilt. You died in silence down. like a good man. <laughs> so we just prayed for them. And so the, the other part was the money. I get a text every day now, got my Biden bucks. Yep. It's called Biden bucks. Biden bucks. That's Biden bucks. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's what the stimulus is called now. By a lot of people in my phone. Oh, that's yep. so cute. Your Biden bucks? Well, you know, these are Trump supporters. Yeah. 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 So they got to take a shot. Right. Yeah. It. When it was Trump money, it was like, hey, let's well, go What spend. did you call it? Because was there a cool name like Biden bucks? Trump tokens. Trump tokens? No, I don't know. Yeah. I just made that up right They did now. have his own coin. So, yeah. But my point is, is that that's the day and age we're living in to where if you go to a, if you go to a house party now, okay? Show your papers? No, no. It's, it's acceptable for somebody to start a conversation about whether you got vaccinated or not, Mm -hmm. okay? First of all, that's offensive. That is really offensive for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know why that's offensive, maybe you should figure out why it's offensive to some people. Some people have got serious religious problems with vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Some people have got serious health problems with vaccinations. Some people like me... Want to see if all the LASIK people are blind in 10 years before I get my LASIK surgery. Okay. Some people just have, I, I, I don't know if I want to be a guinea pig for a few years. Mm. I just want to, you know, until I see a day where there's not some country recalling vaccines, I'm not going to go to the front of the line. Mm. But there's some people who want it so much, they'll put a selfie with their personal information out there, yeah. right? Now, that's the a fact that, but, the, but the fact that you can go to a party now, and bring this up as social, just like the weather. Yeah. Hey, did you guys get your vaccine cards? Well, you it's your vaccine? A, it's a shared thing. It, now. It's now it's a cultural part, it's thing. part of our lexicon, it's part right? Of a cultural thing. But I'm almost to the point now where I think if you do not have your vaccine, you're getting socially shamed into being like a QAnon person hmm. because. The way that they're propping and prepping up the QAnon people to be the lead of the Jenny McCarthy anti-vaxxers. It used to be Jenny McCarthy, but she right. got taken out. Yeah, now she's too the, tame. No, now the Buffalo Soldier QAnon yeah. guy is the. I mean, to where I see it happening now, where if if you're not vaccinated, you're going to be looked at like the scarlet letter QAnon person. I you see know, it coming. You I know, do. when when I enroll my kids in public school, they is that have the right to, word? Have, QAnon, by the way, I think so. My I think, na- my, my I think neighbor people was that follow me. it are called anons, or that's it. They're cues. Yeah, they're cues. But the followers are anons. Yes. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't want to I offend think, the QAnon people. No, no, and I'm trying to find out more about it myself. But you so know, when, when you register your kid at uh, public school, in most cases, they have to have proof of vaccinations. You, you know? can have a religious exemption. Right. Right. You can. You can. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that, like, there's 
we've already sort of accepted that framework into our lives for a long time now. This is just sort of a, this is a little different. You know, like when I traveled overseas, when we went from Saudi Arabia to Egypt uh, for a vacation, we had to get shots. We had to have a yellow fever thing. We had to take malaria Malaria. pills. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was not just for our safety. That was the requirement in order to get the visa to come in. So, you know, I under, I've always kind of understood that, that you, you know, certain countries are going to have certain requirements. Now, but now to be fair, scary. though, those, those diseases had a pretty high mortality rate. Yes. Okay. Yes. Whereas yeah. COVID is still, I believe, 99.9 if you're under the age of 50. And honestly, it was more to do with For the survival. fact that I was a Westerner who, you know, had grown up with clean water and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I just couldn't, my body couldn't handle those microbes, right? It's just like when you go to Mexico and you get the hot trots yeah. after drinking the water, yeah. you know? Or, you know, an ice cube and that's you don't think I, about it. That's why I drink tequila and Corona down there. Dude, and, that's and why most people back in the Wild West, they didn't the drink water because oh, totally. water was poisonous. It was death man you drank whiskey that's where beer actually came from mead was because it was like a 2.5 percent alcohol killed it and that was people's water yeah was it killed the dysentery and it killed the yeah no wonder history is so raucous man because for like the first couple thousand years everybody was just hammered all the time just hammered (laughs) but this i get you because this this starts to make it this starts to make it feel like you can't do certain things. Oh, this is going to be the, it, in order know, to go to a with sporting that social event, shaming. You're going to need that to go to a sporting event. Yeah. Anything where it's like groups over five or 15 or 25, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I go speak somewhere, you'll probably need a card. Uh, the venue will require it. Yeah. 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 And you know what? The thing is, is it comes down to a, it's a, it's a, it's a pressure, but it's also a liability. I mean, in this country, liability drives like 99% of what we do. It's the fear of somebody suing us. Do you think I would get arrested if I drank from my garden hose in my front yard? Would someone call the cops on me? Just like, because they would be so afraid for my safety. Right. They would call the cops. No, I'm drinking out of a garden hose. It's not tap water it's not bottled water it's not filtered you know i was playing outside as a kid that's where you got your water are are we getting to that point where if somebody does something outside of the box of what the media tells us is normal every day i got the cops called on me when i went to walmart one day with my dog your dog yeah yeah because some 26 year old decided to call the cops because my dog was in my car on 40 degree weather it's the see anything, do everything. You know, it's that type of mentality, and you give everybody the ability to record and not just record, but broadcast it live still across the world. Me, by the way, because well, the broadcasting. The, well, part? no, the police should have actually said, "Ma'am, is, is the dog in trouble?" Yeah, and the dog was not in trouble. No. And I, I didn't realize that the police enable uh, that type of behavior where they should have be correcting that behavior saying ma'am you know appreciate it but if it's an emergency see she knows she frackleberry knows if it's an emergency we'll call but otherwise this is for animal control yeah type yeah. of a thing but anyways but yeah i i would have been like ma'am why don't you just wait outside his car till he comes back and you can shame him and then you'll feel better about yourself oh no she did that too did she do oh, oh you yeah got, you got she both, did that you got both like, barrels Oh, and, and she she had her hand in my car, right. petting the dog. Okay, you're because well, because the dog couldn't put his head out. Right. So she put her hand in my car 
to pet the dog. It's 40 degrees out. And I go, oh, did she, she uh, you know, you know what, what did I say? Did she uh, finagle you over or something like that? And she was all nice. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden the, uh, oh, she's fine. All of a sudden the cops pull up and she goes, oh, I'm sorry. I called the cops. And I'm like, what now? Wow. That's, yeah. So anyway. But it's like you didn't have anything better to do this afternoon. That's where we're at right? though. You know? That's, that's the new reality. If there's a baby in the back seat, I, I might be concerned. The woman in Texas that got arrested in the bank for not wearing her mask. Yeah, I saw that. Think about why she got arrested. Okay. And, and, and we're going to leave you with this, folks. Okay. Okay. She got arrested for pre-crime. She really wasn't breaking the law. I mean, the, the law says that you have to wear a mask because you might infect others, mm-hmm. okay? But if you're not contagious, you're not affecting others, mm-hmm. okay? But she was already guilty. So guilty, she got arrested. Yeah. That's where we're at. I saw the video. Th- this is a slippery slope to pre-crime here mm-hmm. to where police and Walmart uh, enforcers, you know, South Park did it great with the bouncer in front of Walgreens. That's where we're at, man. We're going to have bouncers in I, front of Walgreens Do you remember there was, there was that couple of weeks where I remember going, you know, because I was doing food delivery and stuff, and I would see armed security outside of Walmart, outside of uh, Hornbachers, any of those. That's what I mean, stations. and th- that was just like a little taste. Yes. So if we're getting the vaccine cards, oh! You know, part of my problem is, is it growing up in Dahran, I grew up not only behind chain link fences, but blast-proof cement blocks that surrounded particular buildings. I mean, we were considered a, a target, either from a state like uh, Iraq or Iran or terrorists. So I grew up behind fences and behind walls. Crazy, man. <laughs> That's going to do it for today, folks. We're going to leave you on that note. We'll be back tomorrow on Friday, Friday, Friday. Friday, Sunday. I got weird ways to come and go and stay. I got weird ways to come and go and stay. It's a brand new day. I got something to say. I got weird ways to come and go and stay. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Look into my eyes and you told me what to say. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. I came back with the reply. I said you're done. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com.
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education, high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man, or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Jackie Alemany, author of the Washington Post early morning newsletter, Power Up. Welcome to the Washington Post Live. I'm thrilled to introduce our guest today, Senator from North Dakota, Kevin Kramer. Uh, welcome so much, Senator. Thanks for making the time for me. I know you just scrambled to get here from uh, a vote off the Senate floor, so thanks for the hustle. Thank, thank you, Jackie. My pleasure. Um, I just wanted to start with giving you the opportunity to address the tragic events um, of, that we've seen the past week. Most recently, last night, uh, 10 people in Boulder, Colorado were gunned down. Um, how, you know, do you have any comments on, on this tragic situation? Well, certainly, first of all, um, it is tragic. And it's as tragic as it is as a nation to just see it play out on the, on the news. It's very tragic for the individuals that are involved, and, and most especially family members, loved ones of those that lost their lives. And I, you know, all I can do is say your your heart breaks for them. Uh, I, I sympathize with them. I'm I'm a father who's lost a son, not not in a, a shooting, but I, I know that pain and how deep that valley is. And it's it, it seems senseless, obviously, and, and is. Um, and uh, all I can say is that their hearts go out to them. And hopefully, we you know, as we learn more, um, we can bring some some sort of, of peace that comes from uh, at least knowing that at the end of it all, there's there's life beyond uh, life on this earth. But uh, having, again, been through it, I know that it's a deep, deep valley that a lot of people are walking through today. I'm so sorry to hear about your son. Um, I, you know, on the policy side of this, there's obviously a, a hot button hearing today that, um, you know, I don't want to use the word coincidentally because these such these scenarios happen so often. Uh, we see mass shootings happen all the time now. Um, that you know, I, I, it's not it's not coincidental that this timing of the hearing. Um, but there is one called constitutional common sense steps to reduce gun violence. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering, have you been paying attention to this hearing? Uh, and is there any legislation that you support, uh, generally speaking, um, as it relates to trying to prevent acts of gun violence? That have that we've been seeing across the country for for years now. Sure. So so 
Great point, Jackie. You're right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're policymakers. Um, the Constitution that we swear to uphold is for the entire uh, country, not just uh, states or an individual state or community. That becomes part of the, the challenge. So constitutional solutions are the ones we have to seek um, because we don't want to trample the Constitution. But but is there some common sense? I actually, one of the things that frustrates me more than anything when I see uh, an event like this and realizing that in fairness, I, I, I want to acknowledge it. We, at least I don't know the motive yet. I don't know a lot. We don't know a lot of the facts surrounding this case. Um, interestingly, there is actually a suspect that seems to be, you know, seems to be quite clear that uh, he is the person who, who initiated and, and did the shooting. Um, that may help when you have a suspect that's alive. But, but all of that said, um, I, you know, I don't want to judge this one event, but in the whole, the, the, the issue of re recurring or, or far too often seeing these mass shootings raises the, the policy questions. One of the things that frustrates me is that in 2018, in the midst of, of several uh, high profile mass shootings, Congress did actually pass a bill and that, that bill was, again, constitutional. It aimed at it, it was aimed at making the NICS more effective because one of the frustrations a lot of us have is that we're not adequately enforcing existing laws within our Constitution. And by enforcing, I don't just mean, you know, catching the bad guys or prosecuting the bad guys or, you know, carrying them out. But but that that registration, if you will, uh, the background checks, um, not making it to the NICS list, the FBI not adequately vetting, local uh, and state officials not, you know, sending in the information for people that that shouldn't be eligible for for a gun, and we've seen that play out in tragic ways. Um, that sort of what I'd call regulatory laziness play out in in several of these mass shootings where people who legally acquired a gun but shouldn't have been allowed to acquire a gun. Until we get those things cleaned up, I think it's really hard to start adding more ineffective laws, especially if they breach uh, or violate the constitutional rights to, to carry and, and to bear arms. Well, and I will say you are completely right that we don't yet know if the legislation that most recently passed the House would have necessarily prevented these acts of violence that we've seen in Boulder and Atlanta. But two of the bills uh, that are now uh, in the Senate address these loopholes um, that, that you touched upon, um, the gun show loophole along with the Charleston loophole. So there's uh, the House had recently passed, I think last week, HR8, which would expand background checks and try to close that gun show loophole. It would apply to online sales. Um, and then there is in the Enhanced Background Checks Act of 2021 that would close the Charleston loophole, a gap in the federal law that would let gun sales proceed without a back a complete background check in three business if three business days had passed it would expand uh, that amount of time from three days to ten days. Do you support either of these bills? You know, conceptually, I, I, I'm open to anything, Jackie. One of the things you find out about me: there are very few times when I'd say um, I'll never do that, and so. I, I think you can't have an honest discussion if there are always non-starters. Um, that said, I can tell you that for folks back home, and, and as you might imagine, North Dakota is a pretty pretty big Second Amendment state. We we uh, a lot of people have guns. A lot of people enjoy their guns for recreational purposes. We don't have a lot of gun violence. Um, you know, people know how to safely use them, and so they don't really see to get a gun, um, especially if that 
for example, the background checks, if they extend into areas like where, uh, you know, buying from private citizens, buying from or handing down from a parent, a grandparent to a son or a daughter, those kinds of things. With regard to the, the gun show loopholes, gun shows are very popular. Obviously, I think people would people would consider that a, a fair bit of a breach. But I, I'm again, I don't like to judge legislation until it's right in front of us and we're looking at it closely. I think if you have an open mind and if you want to solve the problem, you have to allow everything to be on the table and then discuss it rationally in a, in a calm setting. And that's one of the things we don't do often enough, quite honestly, in our system and in our society today. So to be clear, you are open to voting in support of both of these bills? I would not be inclined to. I want to be fair. That's That would not be my natural inclination, but I want to hear people out. That's why we have a process that involves hearings and involves constituents listening. I spend a couple of hours uh, every week listening to my constituents on talk radio, taking their calls unfiltered. And um, so I always reserve that opportunity before I say uh, absolutely not. And I'm sure you've seen the public polling uh, for years now that Americans have overwhelmingly right. Um, supported common sense background checks. What is why this chasm, though, between what we see from a policymaking perspective and what the American public now, well, first um, of all, you know, overwhelmingly wants? Yeah. So first of all, right, you, just now you you used the term to characterize the legislation as common sense. So maybe it's called common sense, um, but common sense, of course, is is a is a um, you know, that's a judgment call. And so I think for a lot of people, particularly in the West, particularly in big rural states like ours, um, they look at a poll like that and they know it doesn't, it's not necessarily reflective of them. But the other thing that's really, really important, of course, is the constitution itself. The constitution isn't driven by polls. The constitutionality of something isn't driven by polls. And it doesn't do much good to try to pass legislation that that somebody deems to be unconstitutional. So that's why the, the discussion is more than just what's popular, what people in New York and California might think, but rather what's constitutional and, and what's the, the basis of this incredible freedom we have in the United States. So is there any slice of passing a stricter uh, background check on guns that you support? Well, the first thing I want to see us do is uh, getting back to the 2018 legislation. The 2018 legislation hasn't been very well enforced since that time. It's There still are states that aren't complying. Um, we've provided incentives in that to try to to incentivize that. Maybe we need to take a look at that. Maybe the incentives still aren't good enough for, for states to to send in the information when the, when a background check is done or when somebody that say suffers from you know serious mental illness or or has been uh, dishonorably discharged from the military that's the other factor in this that in some cases you have military people who sh should not be um, allowed to have uh, have a gun because of a crime that they've committed but they haven't been uh, again put on the NICS list uh, by the military or you know or local sheriff's departments or wherever whatever it might be um, I'd rather see us put more effort to that to see how, you know, whether it can work if we're getting the right people on the NICS. Now, there's been an increase. Don't get me wrong. There's an increase in people being put on, the people's names being put on that list, but um, we're still missing an awful lot of them. And as a result, some crimes have been committed with guns. And I just want to put a, a button on this conversation about sure. um, gun violence. You know, for Americans who are scared 
at an increasing rate, students especially, um, who are scared mm-hmm. to, you know, in the, the as we get kids back to school, to go to school and potentially face a mass shooting, what do you have to say to them about what Congress yeah. is doing to protect them? So, yeah, so important point there, because I think, for example, schools, is that's an area where we can definitely keep our kids more safe. We can you know, we can put more armed people, uh, you know, at the doors. We can require the magnometers. We're seeing more and more of that. It seems like an infringement on the free, you know, freedom of, of movement and whatnot. But those are very minor, uh, in my view, minor inconveniences compared to, um, you know, letting a gunman into the school. I think we can definitely harden our security in and around schools, and we ought to do that so the kids not aren't only safe, but that they feel safe, because part of being safe is feeling safe. Uh, But again, many of those things, Jackie, are are sort of community by community, state by state, based on the state's culture, based on um, people's uh, familiarity, uh, obviously, with with, um, law enforcement and, and, and guns. Um, it's it's built on trust as much as it is on the law itself. So I think we can do some things at, at that point. But we also have to remember, we are talking about the Constitution of the United States. So when you ask the question, what can Congress do? Um, the, the Constitution not only guarantees the right to bear arms throughout the country, but it also gives a great deal of latitude in certain areas, and not just latitude, but responsibility and expectation that states can can deal better with their problems and say the federal government can, and and federalism is a pretty important, um, pretty important principle to me. And the filibuster has obviously been a, a hot topic of conversation in recent weeks, and there are a handful of Democrats who are sort of playing this wait and see game um, to decide whether or not they want to completely scrap the procedural maneuver, depending on whether or not Republicans seem open to working with them on. Uh, legislation that has been passed by the House. Currently, there are nine bills um, that have been passed by the House and now are going to be uh, waiting in the Senate, which people have sort of started referring to as the legislative graveyard. Uh, Out of those nine bills, are there any that you support? Well, you'd have to start going through the nine bills, I suppose, for me to to know that. Like, take the dream. The American Dream and Promise Act, the Equal Rights Amendment, uh, Deadline Removal, Violence Against Women Act, Bipartisan Background Checks Act, Enhanced Background Checks Act, For the People Act, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, and the Equality Act. Okay, so so there are a few of them that are like, take the Equality Act, HR1. I mean, there are some that are just really, really awful. I, again, I never like to say non-starter because non-starter means you never start a conversation. And we don't. We have the opportunity to amend bills in the Senate, and that's what we ought to be doing. We can take them up and then debate them amend them to, to be more reflective of what the Senate's here for, and that is to be the cooling off place, the, the the more deliberative body, because the House has had almost no deliberation on any of this stuff. But I think one of the challenges with regard to the filibuster, first of all, you said um, up front that Democrats are taking this wait and see attitude to wait and see if we'll, if we'll work with them. Well, the first thing we have to do to work with them is they have to introduce the legislation and have hearings. And so far, it's been all executive orders and, and um, of course, the, the use of the budget reconciliation process where there wasn't even an invitation. There's never been a public hearing on, uh, you know, not not in the House or the Senate. So, yeah, it worry a little bit when, when there's this conditional wait and see. Either the filibuster is a principle worth maintaining or it's not. If you're going to wait and see and use it as a gun to the head of the minority, then you've basically already, you know, in my view, determined that you're willing to use the filibuster if... Uh, 
um, you know, regardless, it just they're just waiting for the right moment to use it. I do think there are some that have a more principled, taken a more principled approach. I think certainly uh, Senator Cinema, Senator Manchin have, have pretty well put their foot down on it. Um, Jackie, I think what pe what they will find is in a 50-50 Senate, especially a body that's as good at working across the aisle as we are, and granted, when we do, it's not that sexy, it's not as interesting to the Washington Post or, or anybody else um, when we do work across the aisle, but I do think the country would like to see it, and I'd like to see it more on, on um, you know, plain view for the public. So uh, I do think some of these things, to take the Dreamer Act, we've got to do something about immigration in this country, um, and I know that it's, it's a a big challenge and I know that every time there's something that a lot of people want there's a lot of people that hate it and they're willing to negotiate if you'll take what they want but then the other people don't want any of that and but that's that's the art of the possible that's politics that's why the founders made it difficult that's why we have two branch two um, chambers and three co-equal branches is because big things are supposed to be difficult to do and it's supposed to take a lot of deliberation I think uh, we're looking forward to the opportunity to do some of that on some of these bills and and I think about something like infrastructure which they're already talking about and they're talking about big numbers um, they being the, the, the Democrats. Um, well, let, let's have hearings. We've started, we had one hearing in EPW already on highway infrastructure. I think the opportunity to continue that is is rich. In, when we were in the majority last session, we passed a highway bill, the largest highway bill in the history of the country, out uh, unanimously out of the committee. So there's clearly an appetite to do those, those sorts of things and we ought to get about it real quickly. That was actually going to be my next question on infrastructure. Uh, you know, the administration teased what their plan is looking like yesterday that would include close to a trillion of spending on construction of roads, bridges, rails, ports. Uh, is that something that you think that, you know, Democrats should skip the budget reconciliation process and actually try to work with Republicans on? I can't think of a topic where they've considered budget reconciliation that makes where it makes more sense to, to go the bipartisan route because, as I said, we've already had a fair bit of success. I don't know that there's anything in this town that unites us more than perhaps um, opposition to China. Uh, so, so, yes, I think they ought to. I think Tom Carper, who's the chairman of, of the Environment and Public Works Committee, a friend of mine, one of the most decent and reasonable, I think, members or ch chairman I've ever worked with, although I say that about all my chairmen. But he, he's really good. And again, a demonstrated willingness to already work across the aisle. I think you're going to find a lot of cooperation. Now, when you start talking about numbers like a trillion, it becomes obviously more difficult because there's only a quarter of a trillion dollars available in the highway trust fund. So we have to start talking about the revenue side of things when you start talking about trillions. And that's an area that gets difficult. But once again, I think there's enough bipartisan support and enough just momentum for infrastructure, especially in a time at a time when rebuilding the economy is so important that that I think you can you'll find some some willing partners and I'd certainly be one of them to look at the revenue side of things and 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 how we might pay for a trillion dollars. And the administration has also talked about wrapping in uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to revitalize the nation's power sector. You have been a major proponent of uh, nuclear energy, clean energy, and manufacturing. Um, I'm wondering if you think that this can be wrapped into the bill in, in a way that you could support it. Well, in a way that I can support it, I don't think there's any question because the nice thing about a large infrastructure package is that a lot of it doesn't have to cost the federal taxpayer anything. Um, you, you know, you're talking about in terms of, of clean power, whether it's transmission lines, 
to get electricity more you know into the marketplace or or transmission pipelines that get oil and gas to the marketplace or um, you know and for that matter there's there's even some cases in transportation where you you can get the private sector to make a lot of if not all of the investment rail is another good example there is a case uh, an economic case for that type of private investment. The downside is, or the challenge for a lot of that is that the regulations make it impossible. It, you know, pipelines are probably the best example. Transmission lines, however, are a pretty good example. You talk about, we want clean energy, we want more nuclear, we want more wind and renewables, but we, you know, we don't want transmission lines in our own backyard. And I, I think a lot of it, if you combine some regulatory certainty and simplicity, not compromising integrity whatsoever. I think you can you can get a lot done. You can get lots of hundreds of billions of dollars of private sector investment in infrastructure, not so much by subsidizing as by, you know, making the regulatory regime much, much easier. Another area would be broadband. And I think that is an area where federal government can put up some more money as well, because I think it has a, a, such a strong economic um, advantage and it helps, you know, level the playing field for a lot of disadvantaged areas in in an, in a type of um, infrastructure that's really really important to our global competitiveness as a country. And Senator Kramer, you are one of the rare Republicans who have actually supported the U.S. getting back into the Paris Climate Accord. How are you going to support those conversations? Yeah. So th thanks for that. You know, I was I was rare <laughs> even before I was rare. I mean, I was really rare when Donald Trump became president. I was, of course, a strong supporter of his. I come from a fossil fuel state. But, I, you know, I actually advocated for staying in Paris. I, I do think the rules uh, could be modified a bit. I think certainly the United States, um, the emission standards given to the United States versus places like China uh, was inappropriate. But we also have to remember that those those standards, those benchmarks, those those goals were just that. They're goals. They're they're voluntary. Um, they, they were aspirational. And I just think that America's leadership at that table is really important unless we want to just get run over by the rest of the world. And we don't do that very well. So what I do is I would advocate for, like I said, reevaluating the standards. Um, having serious conversations with our allies and, uh, about our allies as well as our adversaries and and then turn the innovators loose if, if we want to for example create a grid or build out a grid that carries more renewables we also ought to help our fossil fuels be cleaner and if we want to have more you know if there's going to be more demand for example for liquid fuels around the world and that clearly there's going to be there is then we need to find a way to make sure more of it's produced in the United States where the footprint, the environmental footprint is much cleaner than if it's done, say, in Russia or Venezuela or Africa, um, even even Saudi Arabia. So we, we have a lot to offer in terms of solutions. If we're at the table, those solutions can be not just invented and created in the United States of America, they can then be procured throughout the world. And our innovations, our technologies, our inventions become part of the solution in China, where they're building 25 to 30 coal-fired power plants every year. Well, if they're going to continue to do that and be allowed to do that, we should be pro providing the technology that allows them to do that in a cleaner way. I just think we're missing an opportunity if we're not sitting not just at the table, Jackie, but at the head of the table. And you mentioned President Trump. I do want to get back to your relationship with him after we talk about immigration really fast. What do you think of the way the Biden administration is handling the current surge at the border? 
Well, you can't talk about that without talking about President Trump. I think that their attitude coming into the White House was anything that Donald Trump did had to be bad, therefore we should undo it. I imagine they're regretting some of that right now, and clearly the border is probably exhibit number one. Um, I think that Biden administration, what they did in my view is they took a victory and they just decided to flush it and accept whatever came of it. And what came of it was a comparison that is really stark. So they've handled it very, very poorly. I wish that they'd get back to um, things like like the, um, you know, the agreement that we had that President Trump negotiated with the, the Northern Triangle state states. Uh, clearly their remain in Mexico policy was working. Um, the catch and release or, uh, reversal was really crazy in my view. So we had a, a manageable situation at the border after those things were negotiated by President Trump. We need to get back to them. Otherwise, you might as well just put up billboards and say America's open and, and come at it because the marketers are the coyotes, the human traffickers, the drug traffickers. The, the, they're marketing our vulnerability in a major way and, and uh, sort of pretending it's not a crisis is not a solution. And well, the Trump administration had, though, you know, largely sealed off our borders from really both sides uh, and sort of didn't necessarily address the the policy sides of this issue. Also, I think I should we should note that the surge also began under the the final months of the Trump administration in April 2020. So, you know, this there are obviously these arguments over crisis, but uh, I think if you were looking at the numbers, the crisis did begin under President Trump. Is that is that something that an assessment that you can agree with? No, it's certainly not. I think Joe Biden owns this crisis for sure, because remember, even though the surge maybe was coming, we had policies in place to stop that surge prior to them coming across the border. And th that's that's the point. That's the issue. And and sure, they're going to test every now and then. There's going to be a test of our resolve. I think under President Trump, the resolve was you're not coming across the border until your court date. If, in fact, you're seeking asylum or claiming asylum, and then you'll be allowed to cross. And that incentive to... Um, you know, to make that long walk will be removed. And and so, no, I think this, Joe Biden owns this. I think any attempt to try to absolve him of the responsibility um, is frankly irresponsible. And you signed onto a letter along with 40 other Republican senators uh, declaring that the halt on the border wall funding that the Biden administration did right off the bat as soon as he took office um, was unlawful. Have you received any response from uh, President Biden? <laughs> Yeah, I've not received a response from him. I, I don't know that we that the group has. Um, I've not certainly not been made aware of any response. But um, the, the almost crazier than the the funding was is the fact that they stopped construction of the border wall while it was actually taking place and are still funding contracts that were already agreed to. So we have wall builders getting paid to not build walls, and that really makes no sense to me. I do want to push you a little bit on that because we've recently seen a number of videos that have come out of these sections of the wall that have been sawed through by smugglers. Uh, our, you know, our reporters at the Washington Post have um, reported for years now since the construction started that the wall wouldn't necessarily be as effective as President Trump, uh, you know, touted it as. There were DHS officials who privately had told my colleagues um, that whether or not there was a wall, there was going to continue to be a surge of migrants depending on the events going on on the other side of the border. 
sure. There, obviously, there are certain things that drive people to the United States. Some of it's economic opportunity, some of it's asylum. Um, all of it has to be legal. And while there's going to be obviously some vulnerabilities, there always will be. There's nothing that's going to be 100% effective. But the combination of of uh, you know construction of of border fence and walls, uh, technology, more you know enforcement officers at the border, obviously. Um, Domain awareness from the skies uh, and from the and from the uh, waters are all important. It takes all of the above, obviously, but removing any one of those, much less several of them, including a relationship with Mexico that some thought would be impossible, and, and you know, getting them to enforce more things on their side. I've I've been to the border and have seen dozens of Mexican um, military and and police. Uh, working on their side of the border and patrolling their side of the border. All of these things together make us safer than the removal of any one of them. And as you remove one, of course, that just stretches out the resources to, you know, in a, in a, in a more dangerous way, in my view. So, um, no, I don't think anybody proclaims that any one thing is going to solve the problem, but all of them together at least make us safer. Uh, and, and from a policy perspective, what do you want the Biden administration to do that they're not already doing? We had mentioned the Workforce Modernization Act, which would create a pathway to citizenship for uh, farm workers, non-citizen farm workers, uh, and then the Dream and Promise Act. Are, are either yeah. of those bills, would you support those? I think, no, I think both of those bills have some potential in the right form. Now, re remembering that you know, taking one part of immigration, I used to be a believer in let's take it in bites, you know, do the things that we can do together. Um, that's when I was a naive House member, eight, you know, eight years ago, and I find out, gee whiz, things don't work as easily as I had hoped they would. As we know, big comprehensive becomes equally difficult, if not more so. But I do think we can, you know, we should get those bills over here and will, and then we should start having hearings. I, for example, think we ought to have a merit-based immigration system. So if you have a Dreamer Act or frankly, a farm labor, you know, uh, path to citizenship, I don't know if path to citizenship is the right is the right answer, but maybe a path to, to some, some more formal status or more permanent status is appropriate. I don't know if it should just be farmers. I think high-skilled workers, we have a high demand in this country for high-skilled workers. My strongest, you know, um, feelings about all of this, my strongest conviction is on behalf of high-skilled workers. I think that we have an upside-down policy that punishes large countries with our per-country caps on high-skilled workers. North Dakota is a place that, that utilizes a lot in our in our medical field and rural hospitals, uh, uses a lot of H-1Bs. Uh, Microsoft has a large campus. I, I just think it makes no sense to educate really smart people to send them home to, to work for competitors. So I, I have things that I care about deeply. Um, that's why I, like I always say, I don't like non-starters. I think, you know, the art of the possible is what makes for successful legislating. The use of political capital means you store some up, you know, you collect some and store some up and then expend it. And then you explain it to people like yourself and, and back home so that people are on board with it. So I, I, I don't know that I could support either one of those bills in their current forms, but that's why there's a second body to take a look at them and start working in the areas that First of all, finding common ground where we can and then finding um, compromise where, where we can. And Senator Kramer, we are running out of time here, but I want to ask you really quickly on former President Trump, uh, you know, how much influence do you think he has over the future of the Republican Party? 
I think he has a great deal of influence over the future of the Republican Party. He's earned that influence. Um, he made the Republican Party uh, a majority party not that many years ago. Um, he he sparked in our party um, sort of a uh, hidden um, a hidden um, I don't want to say agenda, but enthusiasm for an America First agenda. I think as we think of the old Republican Party, and I've been around the party for a very long time, um, the globalist, more globalist Republican Party has to admit that we are a more populist Republican Party now. We don't abandon all of our principles. In fact, in many cases, they're the same, but in some cases, they're different. And I think Donald Trump continues to be the banner carrier for that more populist America First part of trade, national defense, um, you know, international policy and, uh, and, uh, and national economy. And, um, you know, he's going to have an awful lot to say. And a lot of our Republican base, both previous and new Republican base, still, still look to him for their counsel and their advice. And he's going to have a lot to say about it going forward. I have so many more questions for you, but unfortunately, we have to end our session today. But thank you so much for joining us, Senator Kramer. It's my pleasure, Jackie. I like the format a lot and be happy to do it anytime you can, uh, we can make it work. Awesome. Thanks again. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention, bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so. <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk about Women's History Month. 
Every March since 1987, Congress and U.S. Presidents have designated this month as Women's History Month. This year, the Crude Life celebrates and honors their accomplishments and vital contributions in history with interviews and stories that center around women's experiences in industry. These women are not only modern-day leaders, but they are truly historic as well. Today, we talk with Krista Castaneda of the Krista Castaneda Law Firm. The amount of waste of the natural gas that's produced in the form of flaring, which is just lighting it on fire when it comes up out of the well, um, is enough to power every home in Texas continuously if we would only turn that natural gas into electricity. And so I ran really hard on that because it's been against the law for over 100 years, but yet the commission just allows operators to obtain permits to go ahead and burn that natural gas, which would have been enormously useful during the great freeze of last month. So how, how could they utilize that gas in, in a manner that would create electricity rather than burning it off? And why would that have not been done already, I guess? Yeah, great question. Um, long and short of it is it's economics. Um, you know, if it's cheaper for the operators to light it on fire, the Railroad Commission lets them do that, even though it's terrible from an environmental perspective and just a waste perspective. And it's against everything that resources laws are founded on, which is to prevent that waste. But the what they could do, um, because the technology has been out there for a long time, is use generators, natural gas-driven generators, to generate their own electricity. To listen to the full-length interview with Krista Castaneda or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Please join us all month long as we celebrate Women's History Month here at The Crude Life. From the staff here at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, 
I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's- It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't, I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, a, the, you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, it, you know, there's gonna be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the gigawatts went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on, a, on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days.